everybody and welcome back to another edition of your favorite podcast about new metal it is the pod cast and this is episode number 50 the big five zero i am john and with me is a man who i have to say is my favorite it's brian quinby hi how you doing john hey i'm good man how are you in the middle of a guy's run so i'm tired and annoyed yeah well look I mean that's that's on you, dude. You actually could, only not block party. It, we basically do a little bit every week. Guys, you're like, oh, we're doing it all right now, and then I'm taking time off, and maybe that's better. I don't know, but it sure seems like when you're in the middle of it, it you don't like it, and it's bad. Well, but I'm actually not in the middle of it. I've recorded four, and I have to do two this week. So, okay, so you're chill. I mean, you're good. I was I was hanging out last night with or the other day with some friends of mine and they were like, Oh, you know, my sister's like, Oh, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm fucking exhausted. And my dad was like, yeah, I'm working 50. And I was like, I had to do 12 last week. And I am beat from <laughs> 12 hours of work. I had. To do. Yeah. That's uh, you know, I mean, that's, a lot of people don't respect that podcasting is very difficult. It's a lot to, you know, when you have to do this large creative output all the time, it's not easy. I get a night off this week. I get Sunday off this week, which is every time I take time off for a pay-per-view, I, for one minute, I'm like, I shouldn't take time off for pay-per-views. It's very weird. But then Chris takes time off for regular season soccer games. <laughs> so I'm like, I think it's okay. I mean, I'm not letting anybody down. No, I think you're doing, I think you're doing just fine. Uh, self-care, John. That I'm is self-care. And it's always important to do self-care. There's no question about that. Sitting so in my TV, Sitting in my normal size living room with my normal sized television watching wrestling while i play with my legos the tv is a 50 inch tv you fucking psychos okay sorry to yell at everybody you, you can hear these your your fucking co-host goofing Did you on see my the TV? picture no i don't care i don't care though like i'm not i'm I not did. a part of this you were we're in the pod cast universe right now we're not in the guys sorry. universe I'm so sorry. fucking made fun of my tv now i, I think I, your tv is just fine thank you john what no, did dan you, th- you thought it was too small well, it's too small. It's, it's far too high. Oh, yeah. You have a big thing about the TV being too high. You, I have noticed that about you. Wow. It just shouldn't be six feet in the fucking air. Is the thing. Not allowed to put it anywhere else. Sorry, can't drill. He can't drill, Dan. They won't let me drill. I got a whole brick wall. The fucking guy was like, don't. You stand that you put the TV on. Where? Anywhere, but out of. The store. Well, maybe I'll check the new store. Metal. Maybe I'll check the store soon. Now, see if they have things. This is episode number 50 of the POD cast. So we thought we would do something a little bit different this month. This month, we are going to have four of our pals uh, join us to talk about their favorite new metal song. Because as you may or may not be aware, as you, elic- as you listen to this show, and, and maybe you've listened to every single episode of this show. And if you have, thank you very much. We love you. If you've listened to only 
episodes about bands you know and like, that's fine too. Uh, but one thing is when, you know, every every main episode of this show is myself and Brian. We made one exception ever, and that was because we had Fallon Bowman from Kitty on to talk about Spit for our 10th episode. But then other than that, it's only me and Brian. But on the bonus feed, we always have a guest. And this may not shock you. It can be very hard to find guests who want to do a one to two hour podcast about new metal. It's not everybody's favorite genre. They don't always have a lot to say about it. So we thought it might be fun to bring on four guests who maybe wouldn't want to be on an entire bonus episode about new metal, but who would want to come on and talk about a new metal song with us. So we're going to get to all four of those. They're just short, like 20 minute interviews talking about their favorite songs. And then at the end of the episode, Brian and I are going to reveal, well, I don't think it's really a reveal in Brian's case because he always tells you what his favorite new metal song is. But when we get there, we are going to talk about our favorite new metal songs. And then we're going to have the end of the episode. Like usual, there will be a poll, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll be back here next month with an album just like regular. However, I will say this month is the special Patreon tier where you have to be a donor at the $7 level on the Patreon tier to vote in the poll. So When we get to revealing those albums at the end of the show, keep that in mind. The poll will not be going up on Twitter this month. It is only going up on our Patreon and only for our $7 donors. Okay, Brian, episode 50, how are you feeling? Did you ever think when I messaged you out of the blue way back in 2018 or 2019 or whenever the fuck it was that uh, we would actually do 50 of these things? Uh yeah, I I thought we'd do 150. <laughs> I'm very high, and we still might. We still might. um no, but I I I was when you said Brian has his song. I was like, okay, so I have fucked up the rating scale on this show almost from day one. I pretty close, up. pretty close from day one. Yeah. So I, it would be so fucking funny if I. <laughs> If I cheapened it and picked a different song, then I say that I like and even ruin that. But I'm not going to. I'm I'm gonna do it the right way. I'm gonna be the right kind of guy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the song that I love. But I'm not gonna say it now. But no, don't say it now. We got to get to the end of the episode. But yeah, yeah, I think it's funny. You know, um, I was talking about this with Becca the other night, and and uh, you know, just talking about episode fifty and this show, and just how I've been like lucky to work with people that have been really good to work with and, and have had big followings, you know, Stefan and yourself. And, and I was like, yeah, it's just crazy to think that, uh, you know, you basically came on block party. I didn't know you at all. You were on a very early episode of block party. That was the first time I ever met you. And you and I basically did an episode of the POT cast on block party. We fully hijacked the show. And I was like, I cannot believe there is another person on earth who likes new metal like I do, or who thinks about new metal like I do. And I was just like, we just got to do, we just have to do this show. You know? I mean, that's how I found my guys co-host too. Yeah. Me and him, we're just doing a show together with somebody else. And we goofed and goofed and goofed. And it was like, ah, Hey, I like this. This is fun. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like doing the POD cast. It's, it's like the easy thing. Well, okay. Sometimes, sometimes it's not the easiest. Depending Depends on, on what the- album we're reviewing. Depending on the length of the album, but yeah. even then, it's like by the time you sit down to record and it sucks, you, I mean, you know, we live in a poptimist world these days <laughs> where you can't say things sucks, but 
new metal, you're fucking 100% allowed to just say it. Like, this sucks. And if people get mad about it, fuck them. Who cares? It does suck. I mean, a lot of the music sucked. I was there for, like, the whole fucking thing. And that's the other thing I always find interesting about this is, is when we got, like, 25-year-olds listening, and I'm like, and they're like, uh, yeah, you know, Linkin Park is good. I'm like, this is what happened to my dad. when, Because my dad was like... He used to, he would never tell me what kind of music he really liked, but I knew that, you know, Pink Floyd was there. And I, and, and I was like, what, what, what kind of music do you like one time when he was younger? And he was like, ah, you wouldn't know any of it. They, they don't play it on the radio. Now, I don't believe that at all, but he would say he doesn't like Led Zeppelin and he doesn't like this and he doesn't like that, like all these big popular bands. And that's the thing that ends up happening though. And, you know, I see it with him too. Is like those bands just will themselves into being recognized as the best to to do it. So there are a lot of like Lincoln Park is at the time a lot of people liked it, but there were it was relatively divisive among people that listened to the music because the people that were there from the beginning. I don't think liked it very much and it was the new people that came in and it was just like new metal had such a short run but it has almost two generations and i think that's really interesting yeah i mean it's it certainly does have a resurgence now and yeah we have seen it with uh and you called it i mean you know really early on in the pod cast you said that new metal was going to have a resurgence and you were kind of the first person that ever, that I ever really heard say that. And I probably didn't think I even agree with you at the time, even though I was at that time doing a new metal podcast with you. So um, yeah. So, I mean, that was impressive. And I think you're right. Like we do have a lot of listeners who listen to this show that are in their early twenties who are just discovering this music and want to hear people talk about it. Like it's brand new because it is brand new to them. And, and it's, you know, it's, it is pretty wild. It's pretty wild how far things have come. You know, when we started, it was us and Roach coach and that was basically it. And now, you know, there's like 10 new metal podcasts and obviously Kirk has his Twitter account that's blown up and people are covering it in mainstream media. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very cool to see now, Brian, do you, would you say, cause you kind of talked about this earlier and I don't, we've never really talked about this on the show, but you kind of brought this up and now I'm curious, like, do you like covering a good album on the show more or a bad album? Cause it definitely seems like there are listeners who prefer when we are just dunking the shit out of something and they would rather listen to that episode. And then there are other listeners who are like, no, I want to hear the like corn and limp biscuit episodes where they like the album and whatever. Do you have a preference? Do you like one type of episode versus another? I think like I'm a connoisseur of shit. So like, <laughs> Of course, like it makes me feel alive to not like something, <laughs> you know, and people don't, I understand other people don't see it that way. Like where it's like, you know, oh, you listen to this and you don't like, oh, well, you so fucking cool. And it isn't even like, I'm not even trying to be cool. I'm trying to say it sucks. And here's all the reason why it sucks. And that's also what makes it great. And like, I think I'm a rare person when it comes to liking music like that but there are people that like movies like that which i also like or tv shows where they're like yeah. oh you know it's kind of shitty but it's got a charm a cult, to it cult classic or whatever yeah but i think i think that way now i think i'd listen to one of these compilation albums and i'm like god this song this album fucking 
sucks, but it's a marvel that it all got put together. <laughs> you know, somebody like totally. was like, let's put all this here. And then you, you start to wonder why you're listening to it. Did anybody ever listen to this all the way through? Like anybody involved in making it? Did they play it from the first song to the last song ever? And you know they didn't. And you know oh, that there are yeah. people that put those songs together that never even listened to most of the songs, you know? 100%. No, I, I, I totally agree. And um, yeah, I think particularly when you're talking about soundtracks, I mean, definitely a lot of cases we've seen, they farm it out to the label. So I'm guessing the people involved with the movie, like, are, are you telling me that like, you know, someone who's who works for like Warner Brothers is uh, paying attention to what wind up records is doing with their movie soundtrack? Uh, I don't, I don't think, think people, so. I think there's people at wind up that never listen to some of those. <laughs> I really do, because sometimes you listen to these things, you're like, this is like 60 minutes and this song sounds like. Yeah, fucking white rice, I guess, is <laughs> the sea. Yeah. It's flavorless and odorless, you know? The sequencing is definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely crazy. Um, anyway, we uh, we don't have to belabor the point. Uh, it's all just to say that uh, we are here at episode 50. Feels crazy. Feels like a big round number. We're nearing the four-year anniversary of the show, and uh, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. We love all of you who have listened. If it's been one episode, if it's been all 50 uh, yeah, you're the best and, and we appreciate it. And now we're going to get into our first of these four interviews. We sat down with Raina Duris, one of our friends from World Cafe, uh, to tell us about one of her favorite new metal songs. So we'll head on over to that interview right now. We're like I said, we're going to talk to four people about their favorite new metal songs and then stay tuned after as Brian and I will talk about our favorite new metal songs. Let's get to it. All right, we are thrilled to bring on our next guest. She is the host of NPR's World Cafe and fellow Canadian. Nice to have a Canadian on the show for once in my fucking life. Raina Duras is here. Hi, Raina. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm great. I don't know how Brian is, but I'm doing great. I guess every time I have to be on with one of my co-hosts, they're Canadian. So I have had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're outnumbered three to one by Canadians on it's this call. It's actually pronounced outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah, am Canadian, though. You are. Hat. You said you're Canadian now that you're in Toronto and you're an Look honorary Canadian. bio on Twitter. It says Canada, Los Angeles, Columbus. <laughs> You've got the Blue Jays hat on. So I feel like it drives Chris crazy. It it it, it couldn't make it, him more mad when I wear this hat. <laughs> I think it's good, Brian. You have my support for wearing the hat, uh, oh. Reina. Now, first of all, I don't I don't know this about you. Like, are you a new metal fan at all, or are you or are you are you a one song pony? Uh, no, I would say I probably qualify as a fan. I think it's partly when I grew up. Uh, I feel like. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything yet, but the the album on which the song we are about yeah. to be talking about was on, it like changed me from just listening to like the Canadian like dance mix '96 tapes yeah. that a bunch of music made into actually listening to albums. Uh, wow. And so it was a it was a big one for me. Hell and yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was really hard to choose what song I wanted I love to bring that, to today, other people. So. It has not been a hard choice. They're like, this is the only new metal song I like. So I just weren't sure where you're at. Well, you can tell us what, what is your favorite new metal song, Raina? My favorite new metal song is break stuff by Limp Bizkit. Hell Was yeah. I supposed to listen to that? 
<laughs> Brian, yeah. Brian uh, has never heard it before. He always skips it when he's listening to Significant Other. Uh, <laughs> hey, I was in the uh, famous Break Stuff mosh pit, okay? I Wait, know, the, like... Oh, Woodstock. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the Woodstock 99 in that pit is the scariest place I've ever been. <laughs> See, watching that documentary, I know obviously there were a lot of horrible things that happened at that festival, but there was part of me that was like, kind of looks awesome to be in that. <laughs> in that. I think the, the stuff that happened made it, I don't think it would have been thought of as, like, because people don't talk about Woodstock 94 ever, you know? Yeah. So I think that people look at it and they're like, oh, it's a big cultural event. I kind of, I wish I could have been there, but uh, I, I, I hated it there. I was fucking <laughs> miserable the whole time. I didn't, I, I had to sleep in a tent and then like, I was like, fuck this tent. So I went and slept in a fucking Grand Am, which was not as good as the tent really that is like the most woodstock 99 car you could have had to sleep in <laughs> yes we did yeah. come in a grand dam and Brian uh is very on the nose with a lot of his you're like oh he's making this up for comedic effect it's like no no he just lit he was the proto new metal dirt bag you that's the <laughs> but this is a song though that that I think is impossible to get old. Like I just, I can never think of a time where I wasn't like it comes on and I'm still amped for it because I am very much like I have this thing I do or I have this theory I have where once a song gets played a certain amount of times, you should only be allowed to listen to it through headphones. And uh, I've probably heard this song like the maximum amount of times, and I still could just keep listening to it. Unlike Enter yeah. Sandman, which yeah, that's I, think uh, I that's should a, ever have to hear again. No, that's headphones only <laughs> or sporting events when it's like out of your control or something like that. But yes, Break Stuff came out on Limp Bizkit's second album, Significant Other, which came out on June twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. Break Stuff was the fourth and final single to come out. From this record, uh, it was released with uh, End Together Now as the B-side. It came out on May 2nd, 2000, end up being obviously a major, huge song for the band. The video, of course, was iconic, had a bunch of cameos from Snoop Dogg, Jonathan Davis, Dr. Dre, Tony Hawk's son, Riley. Uh, they're, all, they're all in there, uh, you know, and then, of course, the famous Woodstock 99 moment. It won the MTV Video Music Award for Best Rock Video in 2000. Uh, it peaked at number 23 on Brian's favorite Billboard chart, the Bubbling Under Hot 100. <laughs> uh, and it also peaked at number 14 on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart, and it was certified gold in the United Kingdom. Uh, Reina, you're a NPR radio expert. Do you even know what the Bubbling Under Hot 100 chart is? I mean, it sounds self-explanatory. Like, it's just the music that's almost... Wait, no, I guess that doesn't make any sense. The music is almost going to be on the Hot 100, but no, that can't be right. No, it doesn't. No, yeah, so that what would it, just be song 101. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so, <laughs> so, no, it's not. It is... It's bands who have never had a song chart on the Hot 100 before. So oh. if you've never had a song on the Hot 100, right. then you could be on the bubbling under Hot 100. This is worse I don't than know how I've never heard of this. <laughs> this this chart is worse. <laughs> I think it only existed for like five years when people. Oh, it doesn't were exist anymore. No, no. Okay, all right. And that then yeah, Heat Seekers is the other one, and I think that's like a similar. That's a similar thing as well, but I think the Heat Seekers is related to the Billboard 200 and not the Hot 100. I think is the difference. Anyway, who gives a shit, Reina? Why is Break Stuff your favorite new metal song? 
Um, well, I think like the pure emotional catharsis of break stuff is really the big reason. Like there are days still, uh, years and years after this song came out where I'll get to work and I'll be so grumpy that I like have to put it on. Like I'll like <laughs> go to my desk and I'll be like, don't bother me for like five minutes, maybe 10 if I have to listen to it twice. And I will <laughs> sit there and listen to it earnestly like a kid who's just slammed the door on their like parents. <laughs> Um, so there's that. I think that like the buildup where it's like, I hope you know I pack a chainsaw, what? And, like go, and then everybody just loses it. A wonderful, wonderful buildup. Um, I, I don't know. They're good. So I'm actually looking at the lyrics right now. Cause I was like, I know them, but I've never really looked at them. And they're so, uh, straightforward in a way that I really, <laughs> I don't think anyone's written a song about being mad. That's ever been this clear. About like, I am mad, I hate everything, <laughs> everything is fucked, everybody sucks, and I uh, wish I had a chainsaw. <laughs> it's almost like, it is such a, if you, if this is your like, I'm fucking pissed, I'm going to listen to this song, then the lyrics of it probably really do help you steer out of that, because that chainsaw stuff is fucking stupid. I don't even know, like where it comes from or anything but uh you yeah, chainsaws are big they're not easy to pack yeah, i hope you know i pack a chainsaw like, <laughs> you're not gonna skin i'm not condoning violence at all and i don't actually want to you know use a chainsaw for any violent act but if you were going to it would really be probably the best thing for getting like you've played grand theft auto sure running around with the chainsaw is like the most satisfying <laughs> Of all of the Raina, I think you might game. have to actually you might have to be on a different podcast after this one, <laughs> I think, based on what I'm hearing so far. But no, you're right. Like it is, I, I think it's something that it, you do appreciate in that you're just like, uh, you know, I am so mad, I I want to break something. Like there's no metaphor, which I think is cool. And I think that it like new metal kind of did that really well in general, but a lot of the like on the nose stuff was like I was abused as a child or like stuff that's not fun you're not like oh I'm having a great time while I'm hearing about this abuse whereas like with break stuff it's like we're hitting it right on the nose but it's also something we can all identify with and it's cool yeah it's a fun song I have sung this at karaoke more than once uh, <laughs> and it like people have such a good time when you do that for a song that's just about like being so angry you can like can't contain yourself i need to break things around you it really is like a, a party jam at the same time it's almost like perfect for like how i would feel when i was like 13 you know where it was like you hear this thing and it gets you i i am like real weird when it comes to this stuff so this song it's like <laughs> it's like a joke song to me but also very good but like uh i i um I liked rearranged a little more on the album because I'm more mature and kind of, <laughs> yeah. cool, you know, I'm like, Hey man, it's a little deeper, it's yeah, a little it's deeper. Deep but deep the cut. lyrics are just like, it's like if somebody asked weird Al to write a really angry song is yes. what the lyrics to the song are almost like. And as a big weird Al fan, maybe those things are connected. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess Weird Al never really did. Did he ever really dip into new metal? He didn't really, did he? I don't think he did. I don't think. I think like with Weird Al, he like on alternative the, when he would do the polkas, he probably had like some stuff in the. You know, he would do the alternative polka. Or he did the rock and roll polka or whatever, maybe. 
But I, I feel like he, he never like, did a full length like corner limp biscuit like. Parody. Yeah, I, I think don't he stay think away. So. I think he stays away from stuff that makes him nervous. You oh, know? He did the uh, he did the angry white boy polka. Yeah. Okay. So there you and go. So that had like last resort. It had chop suey. It had get free by the vines, which I feel like doesn't really fit. I, no, that's um, not the same. It has last night by the Strokes, which I also feel like does no. not. Fit. I don't think <laughs> the Strokes is like angry white boys. I think of them as like they had a really good life doing a lot of cocaine and fucking a lot of women. Yeah, well, they weren't got, mad. No, they weren't mad at all. They were having the best time anybody's ever had. If you, and then they had Disturbed and Renegades of Funk by Raging Against the Machine and My Way by Limp Bizkit. And then, wow, he really covered a lot of ground. There was also Stained, P.O.D. And this is all in one polka. So wow. I guess he covered them all just in one three and a half minute polka song. Crushed it. Yeah, yeah he's... I... I, I uh. Oh, fuck. I forgot where I was getting. I looked it up to see if he did it. But I think when he got when when Red Hot Chili Peppers got mad at him, he became like a lot more careful with the the metal stuff and the rock stuff to me in a way. Yeah. Now, Raina, not to take this a little bit off topic, but, you know, uh, this is this is a subject that has come up on the show many times before. And I don't believe we've ever talked to, uh, you know, someone who is attracted to men about it, but uh, is Fred Durst hot? Okay. So when I was, I think when I was younger and uh, I was into Limp Bizkit, I was more on the side where I'm like, I want to be Fred Durst. I was like, get me the hat. <laughs> I'm like, I related to him. I didn't think he was hot. I thought West Borland was hot. Oh, um, okay. So I don't know what that means, but <laughs> again, you might need to be on a different podcast after this one. But um, but now when I see like older Fred Durst, he's kind of hot now. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I've like, my wife. His looks. Yeah, because Brian famously Brian's wife, like Fred Durst, was her sort of like number one hall pass back in the late nineties. So that's why I was kind of curious where you were wow. at on it. Yeah, she yeah I don't know. Oh. I think he like seemed too much like like I I think when I was that age, I was like attracted to uh like brainy artsy guys and Fred, Fred is neither like, of those things. Yeah, yeah. But now he kind of looks like maybe he could be. I don't know. <laughs> I think like it's weird. It's hard to tell with him like what's a bit and what isn't because like sometimes you you'll hear you'll hear like he hosts a jazz night at this place in los angeles and you're like oh that you know that's pretty interesting but then you also remember that he said uh west scantlin from puddle of mud was the next kurt cobain so it's like really <laughs> hard to tell where he he lands in like artsiness and smarts <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. If I, like, again, I don't know. If I got to know him, would I be attracted to him? Who can say? Who can say? <laughs> I feel like he would be, I, I feel like I would want to be around him more than most new metal guys. Like, he would be near the top of my list of, Man. like, if I got to hang out with a new metal guy. Why are you shaking your head, Brian? Okay, Corn. Oh, the entire band with... of Corn is a write-off. Yeah. I want to be around now because he seems like a dumb shit, and it would be fun to hang out. Chino with Chino seems like he would be a nightmare to hang out with. Steph Carpenter thinks the Earth is flat. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe Abe, Chino but we don't so know anything cool. about Abe. Chino is cool, like, but like you would want to be seen in public with Chino. Now, Fred Durst. Still, I wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt me to be seen with him. But I noticed. Like, 
you guys have Brandon Boyd. Uh, you've got Incubus in the intro uh, for the show. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, which I never really thought about as new metal. I think it, does, it falls into the same era. He would be horrible to hang out with, I think. I don't think, like, I feel <laughs> hot, like he though. is. I was hot, talking about though. this. He was hot, but I feel like uh, I was talking about this with someone uh, a little while ago, but like the Incubus listener to Anti Vaxxer Pipeline <laughs> or like the Venn diagram. I used to love them when I'm not an Anti Vaxxer, but I, I feel like if you listen to them now, maybe you might. Well, so the sort of general. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. It's funny because when he showed up on Reservation Dogs, um, and I was like watching it and I was like, I think this is just like really who he is. Like he's on the show as Jesus, as, as a homeless guy that thinks he's Jesus. And, uh, I was like, man, that guy looks really familiar. And then when it was over, my wife was like, that was the guy from Incubus. That was Brandon Boyd. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Even though I think I know he was acting and reading a script. It was like that kind of hippy dippy stuff, which yeah. is, you're right. Like that is He'd be the worst. Yeah. Well, we tried to we tried to figure out if they were anti-vaxxers. Like we talked about make yourself, and I think we went down a road where we were trying to figure out if they were. And I think we never really reached a conclusion, uh, like a definitive conclusion. But yeah, I mean, I would say the sort of just to you know fill you in, Raina, the sort of prevailing wisdom is that science is a new metal album. Right, and okay. then everything after that is not, but we did cover make yourself on the program because it's the most adjacent. But then once they hit morning view, then it's, then it's over. Then I do it. think also, it, it, and I know this isn't like an objective thing, but like when I was only listening to new metal, I really liked incubus. Like there was not another, I, I think the only thing that was like a different kind of music that I like was Pantera, which is just more metal you know and incubus was right there like i would write i would draw the logos and stuff on the back of my uh notebooks in high school with like limp biscuit and corn and deftones and incubus those were like the big four to me at the time and which sounds weird now because people would say system of a down and i maybe right. only named three or slipknot two would be a problem <laughs> corn limp biscuit deftones and then it's either slipknot disturbed or uh who'd you say brian I said Incubus, but oh, it might Incubus, not yeah. be that way. Lincoln now, Park. It, yeah, it was back then. Incubus yeah, was yeah. definitely because they toured. Well, with they were Deftones. on the Family Values tour. Like yeah, they, they toured were, with Deftones. Yeah, uh, I saw that Deftones. show. Yeah, I had diarrhea while I was there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Hell yeah! I was wondering is In Incubus is Incubus your top band, Raina, of the sort of like new metal bands? No, I mean, I was really into that. I think part of it was because Brandon Boy was hot. Sure, um, of course. And uh, I was into Incubus, but I feel like at a certain time, maybe it was at the top, but it didn't have like this. Like when I listen to Incubus now, I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing that I like the <laughs> lyrics are so dumb. Like yeah. I, science is still a, there's good songs on science. I'll give science is pretty good, but like. Some of it, it just sounds like a guy who is very stupid, who thinks he's very, very smart. Definitely. Pardon Me is the greatest stupid smart guy song I have yeah. ever heard. When you're just listening, when he says, uh, lately I've been thinking of combustication. As oh my a God, welcome yes. vacation from. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, especially because when he talks about that song, he literally says like, yeah, they're like, oh, what's Pardon Me about? And he's like, I was in this bookstore and I was reading a book about this guy who spontaneously combusted. 
And then all that was left was his like feet. And then the song is literally like a decade ago. I never thought I would be at 23. Like he's literally saying I was having a look in a book. In a and book. I saw a yeah. picture. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like a book. It was when I, it was the same thing as I saw counting crows. Cause the, the like live nation was doing that uh, like $20 ticket thing or whatever. And long December is like one of my favorite songs ever. So I was like, whatever, I'll pay $20 just to see them play long December. I don't care after that. And there was one song and I don't even know what counting crows song it was. And Adam Duritz was like, before the song, he's like, you know, you ever know how, like when you're at a party and you're sitting in the corner and like, no one's talking to you and you really feel like alone on this earth. Like that's what this song is about. And he starts playing the song. And then the first lyrics, like I'm in the corner at a party and I'm feeling like the loneliest person on earth. And you're like, okay, well that we knew, we knew what the song was about. There was no mystery here. Again, to like Incubus being too literate, it's like even when he tries to be poetic, it comes off as too literate. Like the lyrics to Wish You Were Here, where it's like the sky looks like a backlit tapestry with holes punched in it. Yeah. Or like, or the, yeah. oh, like, like the ocean. The ocean the looks like a thousand. Yeah, yeah diamonds thousand strewn diamond. across a blue blanket. A blue it's blanket. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's not quite enough like <laughs> it's not yeah i mean you would never be like that's why they never broke like as people like smart people liking them it was like just a like sort of mid-tier john level type of intelligence that likes uh that likes them now john i was calling you stupid no uh, i i got it brian that's why i was uh no, it, it, done they're not considered like i bob dylan's the wrong person i'm trying to think of like a band that is maybe alt rock that like the strokes well i would say like like system of a down for instance is a band that i feel like people look at them now and are like they were like better than maybe they were considered at the time when they were first coming out i think people are like they're smart still yeah it's a leftist (laughs) thing though because i think if you were a moderate and you listen to some of those songs, you'd be like, this is fucking stupid. But like, <laughs> there is something about turning on an album and the guy singing says your beliefs word for word in a song because it sounds like he's reading it out of a book that is going <laughs> to give it for a certain person. The prison system. The prison system. Right, yeah. that's true. For a certain type of A million of Americans are unjustly incarcerated. <laughs> yeah, across the I US like Incubus. Year. Incubus is too literal. Give me system of a down. <laughs> yeah, give me system of a down. He's reading an encyclopedia. <laughs> War, research, and successful drug policy shows that treatment, treatment should, be, should increased. be increased while abolishing mandatory minimum sentences. But it is like, <laughs> it is so understandable that somebody who has those politics uh, you can't tell them it sucks. Like, there's no way you can say like, well, the, I first of all, I love prison songs, so I'm not saying it sucks. But I would also never tell somebody that it sucks because it's so on the nose that it makes it sound like you don't like the politics of it. Like, yes. it's too woke for you or something. <laughs> okay, last word uh, on break stuff. Reina, was there ever a point in your life where you were ashamed of like being into break stuff or have you always just been like, no, you know what? This is my favorite new metal song. I'm going to bat every time. You know what? I think that there's probably times in my life, probably right after like university when I was trying to like figure out what kind of adult am I going to be here? I want to be cool. 
Where maybe I wouldn't have said that I liked Limp Biscuit, that I would like want to listen to the whole album. But I don't think there's ever a time where I didn't like that song and where I would have been shy about it. I probably always would have said that Break Stuff is, is a great song. Hell yeah. Fantastic place to end. Uh, thank you so much, Raina, for being with us. You can hear Raina every single week, basically every day of every week on World Cafe on NPR. Uh, Raina, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, guys. All right. We are pleased to be joined now by uh, our good friend. He is the host of the podcast as well as the author of the Substack by the same name. Where's your Ed at? Ed Zitron is here. Hi, Ed. Hi. How's it going? Oh, we are. We're great. You know, we're we're killing it. We're feeling good. And I'm actually very excited for your choice for favorite new metal song because uh, it's going to piss Brian off. Oh, yeah. Uh, so can you please uh, tell us what your favorite new metal song is? It's Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say, because I'll give you a real good. I remember when they announced Family Values 2 and everybody knows I went to the first one. Yeah. Okay. They announced two and they were like, Filter is going to be there. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not going. <laughs> like, I didn't even care that there were other bands. How playing do you that hate I Filter I was- this much? <laughs> I just didn't care to go. Once they said filter, I was like, this cheapens the whole thing. I'm out of here. <laughs> cheapens the experience of corn, just so we're clear. Well, no, it was that year. I think it was Limp Biscuit Prime. It's the famous. Oh, I wouldn't year. want to lower the yeah, uh, corn and Primus connection. The cultural uh, weight of, of such an occasion by sullying it with filter. <laughs> Well, I'll look it up real quick because it is... Uh, well, while you're doing that, let me give us uh, an intro to Hey Man, Nice Shot. It was the uh, the first ever single that we heard from Filter. It was the first single from their debut album, Short Bus, which came out on April 25th, 1995. The song is about the, uh, the public suicide of R. Bud Dwyer, although the fact that the song came out in 1995 made a lot of people think it was about Kurt Cobain's suicide. However, uh, the lead singer of... Filter Patrick, uh, whatever his last name is, or Richard Patrick, uh, clarified multiple times that it was not about Kurt Cobain, but that didn't stop people from saying it was. I uh, had very solid chart performance, peaked at number 76 on the Billboard Hot 100 and at number 10 on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart. And uh, to this day, still the uh, most played uh, filter song on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, Brian, are you are you there with the Family Values Tour 2? I didn't even know filter was a Family Values Tour band, to be quite honest with you. Yes, uh, they did. They were the they did. Hey, man, I shot on the album. Uh, so Ja Rule, Run DMC, Mob Deep also appeared. Okay, <laughs> okay, so so, so it wasn't Ja Rule the name that sullied it for you. It was filtered. Yeah, oh, I was entrepreneur. Ja I would have. <laughs> ja Rule. And it said corn. Corn made surprise appearances at a handful of dates, so they weren't on it. Oh, corn wasn't and even on it. This. Okay, well that- they just show up. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this sentence for everybody for all the pod cast heads seven dust filled in for filter on the denver date while filter took time off to film the video for take a picture how about a lateral move there for me <laughs> like i wasn't going to be happy either way so even the replacement was a band i don't like so i apologize for my co-host ed but can you tell us about hey man nice shot what do you love about it do you remember the first time you heard it what makes it your favorite new metal song so what's really important to realize about my exposure to american music is it started in 2005 basically (laughs) because music in england you got dribs and drabs like i got faith no more from my brother will uh same way i found nirvana queens of the stone age 
my favorite band kind of pierced the veil. Like no one knows very successful over there. There are a few bands like System of a Down kind of did, but bands like Eve Six, Corn, um, I mean, almost every band that Brian just mentioned, <laughs> they didn't really make it. So when I went to college in 2005 in Penn State, I did a year at Penn State, I heard a bunch of music like Local H. For the first, I very nearly went with Local H for this. Yeah. Wow. Though they're That's new, a tough they're, one not, too, they're also not new metal. Fun, fun story. I nearly hired Scott for a college party from Local H. It was like fourteen hundred dollars. He was going to do it, <laughs> and like I just couldn't scrape the money together because I was like, "Oh, who wants to help?" And it was like, "No, I'm not fucking paying for Local H." Anyway, <laughs> so I heard this song, and I'm like, "Damn, this song, this Hey Man, Nice Shot's fucking great." And for years, I had no idea what it was about. Years. But I think it's just a fucking perfect song. It's dumb as shit. It has an amazing build-up um, twice. Great payoff. Um, again, thought it might have just been about a guy taking, taking a picture, ironically, or shooting at something I didn't really know. And then years later, like a solid decade later, I told someone, I'm like, that's an interesting song. Never really looked up. And then they were like, you should look it up. <laughs> should look it up before you tell anyone else what you think this song is about. I listened to it again last night after you, uh, you know, had had told me that this was the song you were picking. And obviously it's a song I've heard a bunch of times, but I think you're right in that I probably haven't heard it like front to back in five years, maybe more. And I really like you saying it's dumb is really kind of like, I love that the chorus is like, Hey man, nice shot. Nice shot, man. Like, yeah, it's like cool lyrics, dude. I don't need, I don't need something fancy. I just need to get the job <laughs> fucking done. I want to live. Don't, I, I want to be like pumped up and pissed off. And this song is perfect for it. And also there's an incredible cover of it by a band called Brass Against. Most famous recently for a lead singer pissing on someone during a concert. Uh, <laughs> I do remember sure, that. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Now <laughs> yeah. Brian's interested. Uh, but it's, um, but that one's really good because they do, like uh, they they do the bass in the song using trumpets. It's very interesting. But putting that aside, what was most disappointing after hearing "Hey Man, Nice Shot" was listening to every other filter song. <laughs> Not a single song other than Captain Bly has remote. I cannot take a picture. Sucks. Everything else they've done fucking sucks. They were on. I went to Sick New World last year, mm, mm-hmm. and they were playing. And I was like, do I sit in the shade and drink a Diet Coke? Or do I go and see fucking Filter, wait through a bunch of songs to hear Hey Man, Nice Shot, which they will play last? No, I just sat. And and it was funny because it's such a strange experience loving one song and then just hating everything else. There's nothing else. Yeah, I'm the same. I I, I mean, there's stuff now. I think that is probably like a totally new thing. That's like happening now more than anywhere else, be- any other time, because like pe- like teens just listen to mo- like teens just listen to like songs. Yeah. They don't even really listen to albums. So I'm betting that happens. And I used to have this dumb idea. <laughs> it's a really dumb idea. It could never work. It would be the most <laughs> tell me, yeah, tell me of more. all time. Oh God! It, so I had this idea. Where you get a bunch of bands together, you get yourself like a rotating stage. Yeah. 
And one band sets up, and then one band plays their hit. Then the stage rotates around, and the next <laughs> band plays their hit while the other one sets up. And they just keep spinning this stage around so you don't have to hear all the crappy songs that they have to stuff into the album. Or even like if each band did 15 minutes. I know... Yeah. Chris was just telling me last night that Kevin Hart did a 20-minute set and people got yeah. mad. But I think in music... Never liked his music. I do think... I think that if, like... I think if, like... Everlast and and core like if they just picked like fifteen minutes of music and played it and went away, it would be the perfect concert experience. I actually agree. Two hours. I fully agree. I yeah, because I always want to leave anyway by like the four hour mark. I'm like, this is uh, goddamn. I will things are going on forever. I will tell you when I saw. I've seen Corn twice now, and I saw them. Uh, Sick New World. First and foremost. You're in your 50s, mate. You should not be in like a sparkly purple tra- tracksuit. It's embarrassing. It's his costume. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, it is a costume, though. <laughs> it looks like someone's horny uncle has turned up. <laughs> it would suck to have to. You got to yeah, you gotta sort of look at like, fuck, man. I put this on when I was 25. Yeah, and you look out and you see guys your age and you're like, ah, oh, none of us should be here. Yeah, you see guys your age in like regular Under Armour shirts or clothes they wore out of work, and you're standing up there, and you're like, you're basically dressed like Chuck E. Cheese or, or Mickey Mouse or something <laughs> like that at that point. Dressed I like went a guy to... who collects debts in Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, I went to see Misery Signals on the like 20th anniversary or 15th anniversary of their like big their first album, and they're like a post hardcore band. Uh, or metalcore band, whatever you want to call it. And that was the funniest mosh pit I've ever seen in my life. Like it looked like the champions tour in golf, just like a bunch of late thirties, early forties guys who hadn't moshed in a decade, like kind of trying to remember how to do it, but they couldn't quite move or hit each other in the same way anymore. It was, it was cool, but it was also like, Oh, do we, maybe we don't need to be doing this. Perhaps nothing. It's funny. Go, go ahead. Me, me and, we went to see corn in 2019, like three weeks before the pandemic, like shut everything down. And uh, we we're on the floor and there were just older guys like my age being like, come on, let's get up. Let's get up. And nobody was moving <laughs> because like they paid 200 bucks to be on the floor. And they're like, I'm fucking standing where I'm at. I don't want to be moved to the back because back in the day it's like, you would buy general admission tickets and you would work your way to the front, but it wouldn't matter because they cost the same basically as the other tickets. So you could just like, you could move out of the front and the weaker people get moved to the back, but not anymore because they're all in the front. They get there early, which means I'm never going to beat them because I'm never going to be early to a concert. (laughs) So it's, it's kind of, but nobody was moving, but you would see these guys like every every four or five minutes, a guy would be like, let's get up, let's get up. And they'd start pushing towards the front and couldn't move. any. like nothing was moving. <laughs> <laughs> it was like almost like like a, uh, like charging the line in a war. It was just like they'd run up and they bounce off and then they would go oh. It'll move now that they're playing Divine. Bounce up. Oh, here's a heavy one. It'll probably move now. Well, <laughs> Never moved. Not all night. At Sick New World, though, what, what it was, I think they played after Deftones, and Deftones was, like, way toward the back of the show. 
and it had been fucking hot all day. There wasn't enough shade. So Deftones, everyone was sitting down. There were people sitting down in some areas. There were people standing that. up, but there were people sitting down in the dark. So if you're walking around, you'd trip over them. But by the time corn came on, everyone's like, oh, God, do I have to fucking see these guys? Even when System came, it was a horrible idea to have a very hot concert with a bunch of music like this. But it was interesting because I saw Corn support System in like 2021. And that crowd felt bumping because it was indoors and everyone felt really into it. Honestly, I think Sick New World was like, it was the time I realized I can't go to metal gigs anymore. It killed it for me because <laughs> it just, you, you got this very powerful feeling that everyone here was too old. There was no youth in the crowd. And it also didn't seem like these people enjoyed it. People enjoyed Incubus. They seemed like really excited for Incubus. People at Mr. Bungle were just like, I know Epic, which this fucking guy isn't going to play. And I and I <laughs> like one album by Mr. Bungle, not a single song off of California on that fucking thing. But every band, the way they did it, and then they had Evanescence. You're like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> and but, well, they don't even have the wake me up guy there. <laughs> so it's not even worth seeing. Uh, Brian's the they, only guy who cares about the wake me up guy. I love that guy. It's the only thing I like. Wake is the, that is the most like, new metal guy ever, though. Yes, for sure. <laughs> he oh, is. yeah. He, he did one thing. Yeah, he did one thing. And it was he was in another band how that went nowhere. says, how bizarre. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's perfect. But I will say this, Ed. Do you think that Bra- Sick New World, especially being in Vegas, could have been in January or February and been a much more pleasant experience. Yes, but I think they really did a fucking horrible job staging it out. It was just whoever built that actual lineup had no fucking idea about how to run a show. They just didn't. Because having Incubus after Mr. Bungle was nice because Mr. Bungle felt like you were being slapped. And Incubus are great. Whatever stem cells that bloke's on, he's he's really good. He still sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But then you have like Evanescence and Death Time, and it's just depressing. And now I'm sad and tired. Even if it wasn't hot, I'd be tired because I've been all there all day on my feet. I'm old. And also, just it wasn't that fun a lineup. Like System, Corn, Deftones. It's not fun. I'm sorry. I'm a big System fan. I saw them like 2003 and they were much better then. But also, it just felt tired and tiring and everyone looked tired. Everyone on the floor looked tired. Everyone on the stage looked tired. It's a long day. Everyone just... It did... And Surge sounds awful now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Of course. Oh, I believe that for sure. Brian and I both famously saw really bad System of a Down gigs. So we're, we're all on board with System of a Down live slander. They're washed. But, uh... It is. It was a. I think Sick New World was so strange because it was one day. Yeah. It didn't. You look at the lineup and you're like, nobody has that much bandwidth. Yeah. Could have easily been two days. When yeah. 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 Easily. Who has Who has the ability really, really to get up in the morning and fucking see a heavy metal like nonstop heavy metal until like. 11 or midnight like nobody has that. not you, even young you people. could do that but you have to build it so carefully my whole thing is they should have built it they should have thankfully they didn't have rob zombie because i saw him in ohio actually oh that would be sick. and he's so bad i mean he's almost <laughs> as bad as godsmack godsmack doing coming together greats. and they 
they were like, oh, come and oh, give. I love that. Come and give. It was so bad. I, I stopped. <laughs> I was walking to get a hot dog. And I had to, I was like, turned to my friend. I'm like, is he fucking? And she's like, yeah. Yep, yeah, they covered it on their uh, like greatest hits album. That was one of the sort of like new exclusive tracks. Doesn't the FTC was, uh... have fucking th- rules about saying <laughs> shit like that? But <laughs> but what they should have done was they should have done a nice easy build up to something big. It should have ended with like I don't f- who would actually be the good at- like I was about to say per- it's corn. No, but co- it has to be corn playing like basically all their and it needed because that's the only band that can do it but also corn put on a good gig but if you've seen them as you guys probably know if you've seen them once you've basically seen them as many times like they especially in this era i'm still waiting for my first time john's ever seen the the new shit is a bit it's not bad but it's not however yeah Maybe you fellas i like the nothing well i didn't like that other i went off of corn for a few years and I, what is this Adderall song? I loaded up this Adderall song, and it sounded like it was like I when Caven put out put in that alt, at that alt rock album Antenna. Don't know if you guys remember Caven. Uh yeah, I know Caven. I did. Yeah, they had an album. They they're like a hardcore band, and then they had one album called Antenna with this song um, Anchor that was quite big, and it was like it sounded like Incubus, and then they went back to hardcore. Anyway, so that corn song Adderall. I heard it the other day. I'm like, "What? Oh, this band's pretty good." Who is Corn? I like had. I went and actually had to like look it up. I'm like, "So is this a new band?" Corn's been through terror? many. They've been through many phases, Ed. They're, no, they're- I went back and listened to a lot of Corn. <laughs> they've never been through this phase before or after. It's the same. <laughs> was it the Skrillex shit? No, it was just like this, like a like alt rock. It wasn't unpleasant. I liked it. You got to do that. You got to do that though these days. I wish they'd have done a whole album of it. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I was curious, but anyway, but okay. Back to sick new world though. I want. I wanted to say Pearl Jam as the end, but they're not like new metally enough. But it needs to be someone more fun than Corn. Corn is not fun, right? Well, it could have been. I mean, so I've told the story before in the past. I did go to Ozfest '97 in Columbus, and uh, Ozzy did not show up. So, in order to try to sort of uh, salvage the show, where we had thought we were seeing Black Sabbath yeah. and Ozzy Osbourne, all the bands got together and they would come out, and like they had uh, what's his, uh, Peter Steele from Typo Negative came out and sang a few songs. Phil Anselmo from Pantera came out and sang a few songs. And it was like all the bands, like Marilyn Manson sang Crazy Train. It was like all the bands got together and sort of did this like 45-minute to an hour set of Ozzy and Black Sabbath covers, which is way better than seeing Ozzy and Black Sabbath in 1997. And that is something I've always looked at as like, first of all, I was like super lucky to see it, even though I, uh, you know, tried to, I I incited a riot. I helped to incite a riot after it saying, fuck this, if Ozzy can't show up, which by the way, didn't care about Ozzy. I just wanted to riot. Jesus Um, Christ, Brian. But uh, yeah, that ended that. Is how all festivals should end. All it was a giant festivals riot. should end like the last <laughs> yeah, waltz. Yeah. When was this? Well, yeah, and the riot. Looking this concert up, January sixth. No. Yeah. Uh, but, it, <laughs> but thinking about it, Lincoln Park. They should have had. Obviously, have to replace someone. But they should have yeah. ended with Lincoln Park. 
Yeah, Lincoln Park would be the would be the choice. Enough. That's big, stupid, but like invigorating enough. Death Dogs is a yeah. horrible fucking choice. I'm sorry. I know they're touring. They're depressing. They make me sad. They make everyone feel like sludge. I swear I saw Julia Roberts watching them though. That was interesting. But they should have had Death Deftones much earlier. But they also should have built up to. They should have had the fucking toadies in. This kind of new. It's fine. Just put them in there. Get Throw in local and toadies. Get all yeah, these yeah, guys. Get, get like just like the guy. Like the kind of. Second string fun rock bands to get people get our lady peace in. Fuck it, who gives oh, a shit? Man. Make it I would fun. Have loved Make to it... see our lady peace there. I genuinely would have. I would have. But also, yeah. like, get Alien Ant Farm to come in and do one song and then leave because no one else does. No one has. Yeah, movies. two songs. Can you can do two. movies and Smooth Criminal. You know, yeah, you can, uh, I actually, yeah, you can... Brian. I actually think your ten minute set idea is fucking brilliant. You do like generic tuning on everything, and you allow like live adjustments, but you make it this just like. The last two hours is just like 10 minute, 15 minute slots of guys just doing yeah. their hits. Yep. And it could be all genres. You could oh, do so good. a rap tour. But it, the problem is, I think it's expensive. Yes, insanely it be, expensive. The travel. Yeah. Be. <laughs> well, well yeah, once the, once the POD do. cast breaks big, we will do this. Um, okay, we got to finish Thank up you. here. Let's Sorry, Brian. Guys, yeah. No, no, you're good. Brian, we, uh, I, I do want to know, did you ever like Hey Man, Nice Shot? Like in 1995 right. when it came out, did you like it then? Is it like a a time thing that you hate or like has it hated on you over time or were you a hater immediately? Well, let me look up the Crow City of Angels soundtrack and I can help work this out. I can reverse engineer this. This is a 1996 album. Yeah. That was when they um, had the Jurassicology or whatever on there. Yes. Okay. And I heard that song and I was like, huh, that's not, you know, terrible. And then for about a month, I probably walked around saying like, yeah, I like filter. Hey, man, nice shot, you know? <laughs> so there so was there was probably, a one month period I, where you liked this song. If I have to pick a filter song, it's this song. Okay. And uh, but, you know. I I just don't think filter. I don't even know what filter is. <laughs> Me neither. You know? And I love the neither song. do they. Neither do they. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, nobody knows. It, they're not. I don't know. They are new metal because they were around at the same time as the new metal bands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's why they get classified in here. But I don't know. I always thought of them as like Nine Inch Nails, but less like cool and smart. You know. <laughs> I mean, he smart? was in Nine Inch Nails. The guy left Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails, Nails. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Trent Reznor's not Didn't smart, he rhyme, he's just a little bit smart. Wasn't there a song where he rhymed die guy. and cry? Like, Year <laughs> Zero is a, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. No, I'm a fan. I, I do not like this song, and I do not like Filter, but I respect that people do like it. Last word to you, Ed. Centrist. Hey, man, nice shot. What's the elevator pitch for loving this song? It is a straight up like it is perfect as a dumb rock song, a dumb fucking new metal song. It's just you get exactly what you came for, build up to like this big two big crescendos and then a big finale. It's great. It's dumb as shit. No one's learning anything from this. This is not changing your life unless you're going for like a PR in the gym, but it's a fantastic fucking song. Also, do look up the Brass Against cover. It's fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ed, for joining us. Uh, you can check out all of Ed's work at where's your ed at.com. You can follow him on Twitter. No, it's where's your ed. Sorry, where's your ed. Thank Come you. On, yes, man. that's right. 
and uh, on Twitter at Ed Zitron. Thanks, Ed, so much for joining us. And My pleasure. Uh, thank you for making Brian think about Filter. My pleasure again. All right, we are pleased to be joined now by uh, a man who is in many bands, wears many hats, uh, but namely, most importantly right now, is the guitarist in the band Pool Kids, who released one of my favorite albums of the last decade, I would say. Andy Anaya is here. Hi, Andy. Hello. Thank you for being here. I am honored to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the honor is all all ours. Uh, cool. Now, Andy, uh, can you please uh, tell us what your favorite new metal song is? I am going to have to go with Back to School and then Parenthetical Mini Maggot <laughs> by Deftones off their 2000 record, off their 2000 re-release record white pony yes well the re-release very important uh information right there I, I told you this morning when we were talking about it that i i kind of liked that you made this sort of quasi controversial choice because yes the uh, white pony originally came out on june 20th 2000 uh, but then in october they re-released white pony including the song back to school and uh look there's no other way to put it deftones did not like having to do this song uh, Chino Moreno says this album right here, the white pony re-release is not the album that we turned into the label. As far as we're concerned, the first edition was the record done. Then they talked us into re-releasing it with another song on it. And it's not like I'm against the song or whatever, but I liked the sequence we had when we first turned it in. When this version came out, a little part inside, uh, inside of all of us felt like fuck. We just totally compromised. And I know that a lot of our fans felt bad about it too. He later went on to say that Back to School was a mistake. It was a calculated song that had been built up with only one aim in mind. It should be a single. Back to School was released because I was an idiot. I wanted to prove something to the label. Months later, after White Pony was released, they wanted us to do a new version of Pink Maggot. They said we lost our heaviness and there were no more singles on the album. First, I wanted to stick this idea up my ass. But then I thought, I'm going to show these fuckers how easy it is to create a hit single. And so I wrapped a hip hop part on that song. We shortened it. And half an hour later, the hit single was ready to roll on. And it has been one of the Deftones' best performing singles ever, peaking at number 27 on the Alternative Airplay Billboard chart. And it peaked at number one in Portugal. They love back to school in Portugal. What can you say? Uh, Andy, can you please tell us why this controversial song that Chino Moreno hates, why is this your favorite new metal song? I feel like it was the entryway for me into like that style of music. Um, you know, corn was already huge by 2000, but there was something about like the atmosphere of that song that really drew me in as a, uh, as a 10 year old, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was like, you know, this, this image I had in my head of like, ah, oh, man, like it's so tough being a kid, blah, blah, blah. Like these guys get it. Meanwhile, they're like in their thirties at that point, probably. <laughs> yeah. And like whatever they're singing about is not my experience. So, uh, yeah, for me, it was like, as I said, it was the entryway. I just really thought that it had some like cool energy and like, uh, kind of like this ominous atmosphere. And it was one of the first CDs that I ever bought. So uh, yeah, that's why it's important to me for sure. 
Now, Brian, I'm curious because I think we touched a little bit on this when we did the White Pony episode, but you know, you were someone who would have lived through like both versions of this album. I assume you got the original White Pony on the day it came out, uh, you know, with uh, Faya Tessera as the first track or whatever. Um, so did, do you remember, like, did you share this sort of like backlash that Chino had against this song or did you like it? No, it's, it's actually not the way it kind of happened for me was that White Pony was god damn one at least one of the first leaked albums that i got my hand on through napster and i didn't get it in any sort of order and the songs all had different names and <laughs> um but it didn't have pink maggot on it it had back to school on it as one of the songs i don't even fucking remember what the song i i don't I'm trying to remember at least one of the song titles, but I heard that before I heard the whole album, basically. So I liked it, and I was a little kind of like, "What the fuck? Why, why isn't that song on the on the CD when it comes out?" But yeah, so it wasn't looked at as something for me, at least. It wasn't looked at as something that I was like missing out on, or it wasn't looking at something as something that was added on. Right. It was that was there like from, fake or phony or something like that. It was there from the beginning that <clears throat> I had heard anything off of this album. Fatissiero was called New Murderer. Um, Digital Bath had a different name too, and I fucking wish I could remember. But yet, Knife Fight at the Nico was what Knife Party was called. So, <laughs> like, uh, you had to search those names to find them, and you'd have to go to the Deftones uh forum and then find what they're called so that you can then type in those names and listen to it so it never seemed out of place to me ever yeah i feel like back to school for me i maybe i have a similar experience to andy but like i just feel like i thought that song fucking ripped i just thought it was badass like i you know and maybe again i was 15 when this album came out so a little younger than andy but like you know it was definitely so like i just thought it was cool and the video was cool to me like them being in the high school chinos like rapping on the desks and stuff like i don't think i it would have even entered my mind that like oh this is a poppy version of the deftones that the deftones don't even want to be doing i was just like this song rules the yes. two albums that came before had a rap song on them too i think that's yeah. something that you, like uh head up was on uh around, around the fur and engine yeah. number nine was on adrenaline so it wasn't like this was some out of character thing that they were doing yeah and i feel like even songs like um like my own summer they kind of have that like that flow in the vocal melody that it's not necessarily like rapping but it had like that edge you know, that a lot of new metal bands were kind of going for. And uh, yeah, I think that also drew me in for sure. Did you become a big, like, were you a big new metal guy after this, Andy, or were you just a Deftones guy? Cause I know for a lot of people, they like Deftones, but that's kind of where it ends. Well, not necessarily like a new metal person afterward. It really like, it helped move me towards like listening to heavier music. Um, you know, there was always music playing in my house when I was growing up. My parents are kind of like music obsessives. And 
My mom worked at a record store in the eighties. So there was all this cool music playing in my house. Uh, you know, they were in their early twenties when I was born. So the soundtrack to my youth is like grunge and U2 and new wave music and all that sort of good stuff. So there wasn't really like a heavy, heavy music present in the house. I mean, you know, some Aussie or Van Halen, like here and there, but I feel like that sound like, you know, exploding on the radio really turned me onto like heavier music, metal, hardcore, that sort of stuff at a pretty early age. So it was more of a, like a gateway for you than a like stop, like, Oh, I'm here and I love this. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, there were other new metal bands that, you know, that were part of that wave that I was like obsessed with. I mean, Lincoln Park put out their record, what, like a few months later or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like right around that same time. And that was obviously huge for the world. It wasn't just like, <laughs> yeah, the best selling uh, debut album of the 21st century. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I wouldn't say that I gravitated to like just new metal. It was popular at the time. So I was like, Oh, like this is just like heavy music. I, I didn't really think of it as like being this separate entity. Yeah, that, that kind of came later when people started making fun of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there is like plenty to to punch down at. It's like, <laughs> it's arguably hilarious in a lot of regards, but I I can't, you know, nobody can say that they, that these people like performing that kind of music weren't part of something that was like a, you know, a step in a, a different direction, which is pretty cool at the end of the day. Yeah, are you Brian? Are you like a how are how are you now on back to school? Because I do feel like there is a part of you that is sort of uh, you know you tend to go a little bit against the grain when it comes to like what people like about new metal. Or do you still like back to school? You still like to hear it? Yeah, I love it. I I still listen to it when I listen to the album. I don't I don't think there is a uh, I don't think there's like a, a, it's not the best song and and it still doesn't. It doesn't fit on the album to me the way that it was released. Like maybe if it was the last song, I could understand it. But being the first song, it doesn't fit as the first song on the album. I don't think. Yeah, but, uh, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it feels tacked on to the beginning, and you usually don't tack stuff on to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, tack it on to the end. <laughs> like, so the. The, the version of the CD that I got was the re-released version. And I'm almost positive I bought it specifically with that song in mind. And I remember thinking like, huh, like the rest of this album like does not sound like the first song. Like it has, you know, generally like the same sort of like tones on the guitars and drums and what have you. But, you know, it. I think that first song has like, a sort of like youthfulness to it and the other songs are way more like brooding and i don't know they they kind of give off this a like, lot of the songs are horny <laughs> and yeah it was yeah. like i'm for, in high school exactly for lack of a better word <laughs> <laughs> well we talk i mean we you know we reviewed white pony on the show and we talked about how it is this sort of like sensual album and and uh yeah i think you're both right like back to school yeah. doesn't have any of that at all but i think you're also right in that it doesn't sound wildly different. Like I know in the nineties, sometimes what would happen is like 
you know, you'd release an album and then very late in the album cycle, a song off of it would blow up and you'd put it on your next album as like the first single on your next album, even though it was from the previous album or, or something like that, or a soundtrack or whatever, where it sat like literally the production sounds wildly different. And you're like, okay, well, this is not, (laughs) this doesn't make any sense. So at least it wasn't that, but I agree that like it, I don't even think I don't think we really ever saw this version of the Deftones like before or since. No, definitely not. Like definitely not since. And, you know, you can tell like in many interviews, like given post uh, White Pony era, like they don't shy away from saying like, yeah, that was not our vision. And, you know, they're kind of like heralded as like the only band from that era to like, have any sort of like artistic uh like identity that like went beyond the new metal thing and you can tell they're like maybe a little embarrassed of it however i did see them perform it in like 2017 and i was like holy shit they're fucking playing it <laughs> i don't think they're as embarrassed by this st- i i think they say they are because it's a sort of it's more of a financial thing, really. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say it definitely got each of them Porsche, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, and and so there's no doubt. Also, but and then now saying, or you know, that period in the 2000s when they were releasing stuff, uh, it it became you don't want to be new metal, so you go out and do all these interviews and you say, yeah, we're, we were never, we never saw ourselves as new metal, but they played Sick New World this year, which yeah. Was, all new metal bands. Yeah. I think it just depends on like they have a longevity Absolutely. that so many bands wish they could have and just don't. None. I can't think of any of the new metal bands with Deftones longevity. Like you got Limp Biscuit, but they didn't release an album for you know probably yeah. over a decade. And yeah. you got Corn who released a bunch of shitty albums. Like nobody looks at Deftones. Everybody is like, well, Deftones had their phases and they were all. It's like it's like a like a classic rock band. Like yeah. how they'll be like, oh well, David Bowie did this, then he did this, then he did this, and they were all kind of different things. And Deftones are kind of looked that way, but they're also a, a metal band, so there's not that much variation you can do. Yeah, I feel like you know, there's definitely like a uh, a pathway that they went down where you can see like, okay, they did this on their last album, so the new album has these differences or these similarities but it's mostly going down the same path it's not branching out too far away from like what the sound of you know the the signature sound of the band is which is that you know like it's chugging but it's got like a this nice like uh you know kind of mystical pad underneath it all horny it's yeah, horny. And it's horny. It's, it's, and it's horny. Sometimes only, you just have to say it's horny. <laughs> it's yeah. the only sexy metal. That's not, I guess you could call hair metal sexy, but it really is the only sexy metal I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and not only that, but like not anti, like metal is anti-sexy. Like it's the opposite of horny usually. So like hitting on this is, is yeah, pretty impressive. Now, Andy, have you, uh, you know, we're almost done, but have you ever gone through a similar thing? I mean, I know the bands you've you've played in have been, you know, mostly on the independent side, but have you ever been in a situation where a record label is kind of saying like, "Hey, you know, this album's good, but we want we want something a little poppier. We want it. We want a single or whatever." 
not necessarily. There was one time in one of my old bands where the label had gotten like our, you know, our final mix and they weren't happy about like a couple of, uh, a couple of decisions that we made. And they asked if we could meet them like halfway with like some, some mixing stuff. And we were like, huh, that's kind of a weird ask. And then we found out they were stalling and just trying to get us to do all this stuff back and forth because they didn't have money to release the record. Mm-hmm. So oh. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Did they end up getting the money to release the record or you had to go somewhere else? Sure. Didn't sold it to another <laughs> label. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. So like crazy. in their mind, that was their, their plan was we will get this money. We just have to like delay the band long enough to get the money. Yeah. And you know, there was like a handful of bands that all signed to this. I'm not going to say their name, That's but fine. Yeah. a uh, handful of bands all around 2015 that uh, wanted to sign with this very influential kind of, you know, pillar of the genre label that was making a comeback. And only one band ended up being able to put out a full length. We put out an EP and then, you know, people can figure it out if they want to. But, uh, <laughs> I think I already have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, the label folded, you know, they didn't like the album art. They didn't like, Oh, can you fix the mix on this, this, uh, and this, and it was all this like back and forth, back and forth until a friend of ours who was like interning with them was like, Hey guys, uh, they don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's crazy. Holy. Yeah. It's also the Deftones thing about not I, just going back to them, not wanting to be new metal. I don't think anybody wants to be told what they are. Yeah. Is the real, yeah, the no, real thing. I don't think any creative wants to have like, any label slapped on you know what they're making yeah and so you know the 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 issue is that like you know once you have like the labels then you're sort of put in the box then you can't oh you can't tour with that band and that band because they're not xyz type of music and it you know yeah it can mess up your trajectory well yeah i was gonna say that like uh, you know i think that's a, a great point especially about music now where so much of your band breaking big is like genre playlists on Spotify and Apple music and stuff like that. Like, did you, cause pool kids, I would say definitely is like very nebulous in terms of how you would describe the genre it belongs to. Like, did you have to go through some of that too with, with pool kids about like, what genre are we? What do we like? Is that a big thing? Absolutely. And you know, it's not something that we're like, upset with let me just you know put that out there because people will say like oh they're like an emo band or oh they're kind of like pop punk oh they have elements of indie rock like you said like there's a few different labels that people have for us and it doesn't necessarily bother us it's just you know it's unfortunately like part of the game to like as as it stands right now like the music industry but it's uh it's nothing we're upset with. I just, so. the, 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 that it creates a sort of expectation for what you're supposed to have. And then everything you do after that is judged on this expectation that yeah. created for what you are. I just uh, started, I just 
ended a 12 year podcast. <laughs> I was like, kind of in the same thing where it was like people expected a certain thing. Yeah. And uh, I didn't want to do that anymore. I got yeah. to a point where I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And then switched over and it like reinvigorated me. So when I think about the Deftones now and it's like, this is uh, this song is such a perfect example of it because this album isn't this album is not new metal like no classically like people that like new metal liked it but the label was like well you're the basically the label's like you're friends with corn you have to put a rap song on here yeah or like <laughs> you know we see that the guy playing keyboard also has some turntable turntables up there <laughs> can, what can, can we he get, do can, can we get a little some, waka 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 exactly we we need some scratches and I'm yeah, sure that like, happened every album for a while. You for know? sure. And I think that's like the interesting thing as far as like music criticism goes and like, you know, creating these labels and like putting bands under certain, you know, genre flags is that, you know, we're not supposed to be judging like the art based on the last album. Mm. You know, like we're not judging White Pony based on around the fur and like no artist should have to go through that. And, you know, the, the cool thing with Deftones is that they have so much music now. What do they have? They have like nine, 10 albums or something. Yeah. Like they've escaped that. Like nobody is judging them based on the record that came before it anymore. And that's, you know, that's something that not many artists, you know, have the luxury of like getting to experience. It's actually kind of, would be worth somebody sort of mapping out and doing almost a study of their career because there are they're just one of one in a way yeah. like a lot of bands would never have gotten out of where they were at yeah especially the era the yeah i i would say like that era especially is just like you know everyone else is sort of a you know, for lack of a better term, they're like a legacy band. People go to see them to see the old material. They're they're going for like a the nostalgia of it all. And I feel like Deftones, you know, for the most part, people are interested in like whatever is next, whatever is current. And it's awesome to hear the old material when you go to see them live. Like that's part of seeing any band. But there's not like this uh there's not this expectation that like you're going to see Deftones to watch like all of white pony or all of around the fur. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's very, it, it is like, I, I keep trying to think of any other band that has pulled off people. Cause you even hear people talk about like the Rolling Stones were like, nobody wants to hear their new shit. No. <laughs> like, like, How the fuck did Deftones, the band, the only band I can off. think of is Radiohead, maybe. Yeah, yeah, where people are like excited to hear new Radiohead stuff, but yep. like, but yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, Andy. Like, it's it's totally true, and we talk about that on the show a lot. Uh, you know, Deftones really uh, a singular a singular artist, and uh, yeah, thrilled to talk about it with you. Before we go, can you tell the people about Pool Kids, about the album that's out, any touring dates you got coming up? Tell us about it. Yeah, so I play guitar in a band called Pool Kids. We put out a record on Skeletal Lightning last year, 2022. It's uh, self-titled, Pool Kids, Pool Kids. Uh, it was super fun to make. We have been touring pretty much nonstop ever since it came out. And we've got a bunch of festival appearances lined up for the rest of the year. 
We're playing Night Moves in Pensacola. We're playing The Fest in Gainesville, Florida. We have some tour dates in the Southeast with Sunny Day Real Estate. I can't believe I'm saying that. That is so sick. And yeah, I also play in a band called Dikembe. And we have some shows coming up in October in Chicago, Ohio, and Pittsburgh. And yeah, those shows. Ohio. Uh, I honestly am not sure. I think it's somewhere <laughs> outside of Toledo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brian's I'm pretty... in Columbus, so that's why. Okay. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I th- I think somewhere outside of Toledo, it's a a uh, like a DIY music festival called Focella. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very uncool, so I I <laughs> You you and me both, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andy. And yeah, yeah, again, appreciate um, y'all. The Pool Kids record, unbelievable. If you've never heard it, absolutely check it out. It's uh, it's so great. Uh, thanks, Andy, for being here. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Take it easy, y'all. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Our final guest here on this 50th episode of the POD cast, where we are talking to people about their favorite new metal songs is Dan Ozzy, who you may know as a, a longtime music writer and author of the book Sellout. Uh, Dan, hello. First of all, welcome hello. to the POD cast. Thank you for being here. You were just on Block Party two days ago. I feel like I'm really monopolizing your time. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, I love to be frequent. I want to be the Paul F. Tompkins of, <laughs> you know, alt comedy podcast. The so, John yeah. Cullen podcast. Universe. <laughs> uh, we can we can definitely make how, how much do you know about curling? Because uh, that is my I can other learn. Podcast. I can yeah. learn. Yeah. Exactly. I can riff on it for sure. <laughs> so Dan, what the brewer? Sorry, Dan. Say. Oh, they Sorry, have the brooms. Yeah, we know? got brooms. We're They're talking sweeping. brooms today. That's We're talking brooms. We're talking rocks, baby. We're First getting... week he talked about rocks. Second week he talked about brooms, and now he has no idea what to do for the next. Yeah, ice. I used to give. Oh, I guess we're talking about ice. That's that's week three, maybe. Yep. Yeah, it's we got a. We, it's we're it's still work in progress. Uh, Dan, can you please tell us what is your favorite new metal song? Uh, I can tell you the one I picked for this. Okay, but, well, yeah, don't spoil, <laughs> don't burn the lead here. I, Dan. I picked uh, "Bodies" by Drowning Pool, which but, I should okay. say you didn't even know was the name of the song when you first it was, said it to me. You said "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" by. And Drowning then also Pool. too, when I was when I was searching it, I was like, oh, okay, let me let me like search this song so I have something to talk about when I go on the podcast. And for some reason, I kept searching down with the sickness, which is <laughs> oh, not the same, like not, not even the same song at all. Yeah, no, that's not not the same song, not as good of a song. Bodies, uh, you know, you could argue one of the most well-known new metal songs of all time. It was the lead single from Drowning Pool's second album. I mean, it's their debut studio album called Sinner. That album came out on June 5th, 2001, but the single for Bodies came out just before that, May 14th, 2001. It has, uh, safe to say, sort of uh, seeped its way into a certain sect of pop culture as it was the theme song for 2001 WWF SummerSlam. It was also the theme song for the ECW brand from 2005 to 2008, including the ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view events in 2005 and 2006. It was also the theme song for the Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, for quite a while. It's also been featured in several movie trailers. To date, it has sold 1.7 million copies. It is almost double platinum in the United States. It has gone silver in the UK. It peaked at number three on the UK rock and metal charts at number 34 on the UK singles chart. 
and it peaked at number 19 on the bubbling under hot 100 singles chart, Brian's favorite, and peaked at number six on the U.S. mainstream rock chart. An absolutely massive song. And uh, Dan, we kind of, you know, we sort of got into this already a little bit, but you actually, um, you hate new metal. We haven't really had anybody on this show ever who hates it. (laughs) So, uh, So, you know, before we even get into talking about bodies, what, what is what's going on with you and new metal? Because I I, I want to say you write about emo music. You say the Armed is the greatest band in the world. <laughs> right? How could you? How could someone who says those things not like new metal? To well, me, they feel adjacent. No, no, actually, no. As some like, I feel like now, it, it, looking back in history, everything gets lumped together. Like you can like whatever, but at the time, those lines were very sharply drawn. Even you, either you're a pop punk in pop-punk kid or a new metal kid those lines were a lot harder but i do just want to say yes i don't have much sonic use for (laughs) new metal as a genre i don't like hearing it but i just want to be clear up front that like i don't think my tastes in hardcore and emo and punk or whatever make me any more uh, like my music tastes any better than new metal i don't th- that's I think not this what is you said in the email sad. you sent me you said <laughs> no, you demanded no. no i'm just kidding he I'm requested kidding. to be on the show so he could tell all the new metal fans to fuck off <laughs> yeah yeah just fight me and we fight were like me. sure go uh, ahead you post know? my address in the chat i want to come no i really don't like i don't like it but like i could i could totally understand how somebody who loves drowning pool could hear green day and be like i don't like this i get like whatever it's see i liked it all i guess that's where the line is for me is like i transitioned Mm. from pop punk to new metal like my earliest music i liked was green day weezer blink 182 i went from that to new metal and then i went from new metal to screamo so like to me it's all kind of like on the same like and i still like all of that stuff so Mm -hmm. it just it's i'm not saying that you're wrong either it just (laughs) is interesting given that you're like a rock critic who loves rock music usually people in that zone wouldn't just like dismiss new metal and say i really don't like well no i dis i disagree with that because especially like at that time that you're talking about like 2000 2001 i was a big reader uh of buddy head um in case anybody listening i did too doesn't yeah i found out they follow me on twitter and i (laughs) flipped out i was so excited (laughs) uh in case anybody does not follow buddy head or just knows it as like a meme account now uh buddy head was like one of the most influential music blogs like one of the earliest music blogs generally and got so much attention that they rivaled like rolling stone and spin you know and it was just a couple of like drugged out guys in in la and they but they were tastemakers i mean like truly a role that really does not exist anymore they were tastemakers and they would the shit that they wrote about was cool at the drive-in was cool the fucking like uh international noise conspiracy was cool nine inch nails was cool they new metal was their like punching bag like they famously yeah. broke into what was it epic records or capital records office and stole uh Fredder's red hat and sold it on ebay and like gave the money to like a women's charity like they were antagonistic you know and so i i disagree with you in in memory maybe we think that but like i think at the time those lines were pretty drawn uh and if you were a music snob you did not have any patience for new metal. That was, that's my recollection. It used to like sort of get me 
insane when I would because I, I read it because I thought it was so fucking funny. I didn't know any of the bands that it talked about. Right, totally, it totally. was new metal, but I always had kind of a a, a sense of humor about what I I never went fucking crazy and was like if you don't like what I like you suck. But I will say. I did think that about pop punk. Like I, I absolutely hated that shit. Like that, that's where we, I, I think John's too young maybe to understand that there, there were sides chosen between pop punk and, uh, and new metal. And the only band that I tolerated, and it was only one song was, uh, some 41 fat lip. I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I like, that's okay. You know what I mean? Because that was I, like a little bit metally. It's like a cross. Yeah, it's a little metally. I like. I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that in that time period those genres were shaking hands. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not saying that. Like, th- I know that there was a divide. I guess it's more that like my trajectory was sort of like in, involved, kind of like crossing the aisle a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think that other people do have a similar trajectory who are around my age, which I assume you are as well, Dan, um, like that, you know, it was, it was a progression thing. It was like, okay, I went from this to this, to this. It's just interesting. That's all. I, I'm not saying that, like I said, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything. I just, I find most people that I know, who like emo or whatever maybe they don't like new metal but they would definitely have an answer if i asked them what their favorite new metal song was and you were just like they all sound the same to me <laughs> i don't they, have an answer for the, you i don't know what to tell you the only like uh kinship that i feel with the new metal movement as it existed was that i went to uh, a school that was very homogenous, uh, like mostly Italian macho, like Jersey Shore kids, like that type of guy, you know, and me and my friends who listened to like the Misfits or whatever, we were in the real minority in high school because like at that time. Eminem, DMX, like all that stuff was big. And don't get, I love that stuff. But like that was like that was the type of music that was popular among the popular kids and if you didn't like that whatever it was anything that with a guitar it was you were not you were a rocker that was a term that was used in my school a lot and it was all that thing it was like they would come up to me and i had a fucking like fugazi shirt whatever on or like a minor threat shirt and they'd be like you're a rocker, bro. What do you like that? Kill your mother, kill your father, Marilyn Manson oh, shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, dude, I, I'm wearing a fucking minor threat shirt. What are you talking? You know, like, but to them, like minor threat, slipknot, these are the same fucking thing, you know? So yeah, that's the only true kinship I feel was sure. with, with new metal was like getting lumped in with the rockers in, in high school. <laughs> So do you like, so you did choose bodies. Is there something about the song bodies that you do like? Like, why was this sort of the one kind of new metal song? You're like, if I have to choose, I'll choose bodies. Well, okay. The, the problem with new metal is a lot of it sounds the same to me. You know, like it all sounds like the same song. And look, I realize if you're like, I'm wearing a fucking Green Day shirt. I realize <laughs> if you're like, yeah, Green Day and Blink-182 sound alike. I get that for sure. But to me, like they all sound like the same song. Um, but Bodies has like a couple of weird uh, cultural moments that are burned into my brain. In addition to all the wrestling stuff that you mentioned, I feel like listeners write in 
I feel like it was used in like a video game menu screen, like a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or some shit like that. Like I have distinct memories of playing like a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater type game and hearing this song over and over. There was also two. I don't know if you guys remember the um, like one of those like America's Got Talent or or something like that. And, uh, you know, they bring a contestant out to sing. And it was like this frail old man. He looked like the fucking like, you know, he was just hunched over like 90 uh, like year old ancient guy. And they, they get up there and they sell it like, ooh, what's this old nice old man going to sing? You know, he's got his like shirt tucked in. And then he's like, one, nothing wrong with me. Two, nothing wrong with me. And I was like, it was like a quick viral post for a minute. And so like, yeah. I think of that song in my head. So yeah, I don't know. Sonically, it kind of sounds like all the other new metal songs that I think about. <laughs> but like, I, I feel like I have so many weird pop cultural memories connected to this song. It um, looks like uh, bodies, video game wise, uh, nothing you were talking about. Uh, it was in Guitar Hero. Maybe. Uh, Warriors okay. of Rock. It was also in Operation Flashpoint Red River. No, uh, which I don't even know <laughs> what that is. That. And then it was in Rock Band 4, the DLC. But there were Drowning Pool songs in Jeremy McGrath's Supercross World, uh, as well as the WWE WrestleMania X8 game, as mm. well as NHL Hits 2003. So maybe so it wasn't bodies, but it was like a Drowning Pool uh, those were follow. Uh, follow is in Jeremy McGrath. Tearaway is in WrestleMania, and Sinner, uh, the title track, is in NHL. Did so. you? I don't know if the, I'm jumping ahead here too much. Uh, if you Jump wherever you want. There's me. no format. But I, I was like researching the song on just on reading the Wikipedia beforehand, and uh, it's really funny that like, well, not funny, but like this was one of the songs that got used to torture prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. Like they would just play songs at full volume until the prisoners just admitted to things. Sometimes they didn't even do because it was fucking torture. And uh, it's funny because like when you read a lot of artists who were like (laughs) asked about that, they're horrified. They're like, Oh my God. Like I cannot believe something that I made was used as an instrument of torture. But the guy from drowning pool was like, yeah, I mean, if it stopped another nine 11, you're welcome. Point, That's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> That's a good point there. It did stop another nine 11. So. And, and it was used. It was also like a uh, kind of solidified in American uh, culture because the, the man who shot uh, Gabby Giffords, like that was his like pump up song, I think, to go like shoot her. That they disavowed. That they were like, no, we, yeah, we're not, we cannot. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, but but Guantanamo <laughs> Bay, they're surprisingly cool with that. <laughs> I wish I I I kind of wish that like I understood the fact that you could write a song like this and make a fuck ton of money for from wrestling. Because when you say let the bodies hit the floor, you know. Yeah, you have to fucking know they're going to use it for wrestling and for action movie trailers. You just yep. it seems so smart to me now that these guys almost wrote the national anthem. Yeah. For, the, for like only, dumb shit. Brian, the only song that I think is more of a deliberate attempt to get into like movie trailers and commercials is that one that's like click, click. Boom. Oh like, yeah. I feel like I feel like some to... movie producer heard that song and was like, 
make a make a racing movie around that. It doesn't matter what. Just get the rights to the song, and we'll figure the movie out. What later. was the like shitty uh, Western movie that that was in? There was like, uh, well, yeah, I know there was the Kevin James movie, but. Remember like Knight's Tale uh, with Heath Ledger where the whole thing was like, oh, mm-hmm. what if we set a medieval epic to modern music? I feel like they tried to do the same thing with Click Click Boom. Uh, at, like, or Sorry, like they, they used that song in a trailer for a movie that was like kind of trying to do the same thing. It was like, what if we did an old spaghetti Western, but mm-hmm. saliva was in it? This uh, is let, wild. Let first me of see all, if you I got one it. wrong, first of all. Uh, the 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 others you're thinking of the other body song the the other slam song you said yeah you fucking fuck, what idiot movie was it that you were talking i just lost it now this song is featured in the films the fast and the furious makes sense the new guy makes sense how high yeah cradle to the grave and talladega nights and it also feels like the sort of thing where a record label was like we fucking need a limp biscuit we absolutely cannot live if we don't have a limp biscuit we need rolling for our for our own for <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so they like they were like uh i don't because this guy josie scott the 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 click click boom guy he doesn't sing like that on anything else at all he's like a butt rock kind of like, yeah oh, he's oh, more oh. of like a crooner like the way he sounds on hero with chad krueger that's more how he sounds normally <laughs> So he was doing a Limp Biscuit. He was doing a Fred Durst, for sure. And it's funny to read the treatment for the video, actually. The storyline of the video I have up here, which is nice. Uh, where is it at? Here, I'll, I'll uh, read you the storyline for the video. The video revolves around a boy who unwittingly finds himself in a mosh pit in which the band performs. Near the end of the video, after being enticed by a girl straight out from the crowd, the boy joins the mosh pit. After the end of the song, the boy is shown moshing alone in an empty space <laughs> where the band performed. What? I need what to start what's the lesson of what's supposed to be the story <laughs> arc there. Just the storyline of the video. Okay? Wait, is it, was that for bodies or was that, that for, was for click, click, I'll look up oh, bodies. Click, click, click. Well, I want to say like because the bodies one... they insisted was about a mosh pit also. And yes. like when, when that guy shot Gabby Giffords, they were like, this was never supposed to be about something <laughs> violent. This is about punching somebody in the mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> Dead bodies. The bodies are alive that are hitting yeah. the floor. Oh, these are our I friends' remember, bodies. I remember as I say, Kevin James movie is actually Here Comes the Boom by oh. P.O.D. Yes. Wait, well, but the, wasn't the, wait, so is there another song that's Here Comes the Boom? Yeah, that's P.O.D. It it's like, boom, here comes the boom. Oh, Ready or yeah, not yeah, right now. Yeah. How you like me now? I say, boom, here comes the they boom. Got, they got the top greatest honor is having a bad movie named after you. Like, yeah. that is big. A full movie. They named it. Probably, I need a list. Uh, there's a lot of Kevin James memes coming back this week. I feel like those guys might see a bump in their residual checks. If, <laughs> <laughs> if Kevin James, here We're comes the boom, starts getting more plays on We're stars or Hulu or whatever. Well, it was funny you talking about about Drowning Pool's military thing, because I think I have this idea in my head. So you maybe know this or don't, Dan, but the lead singer of Drowning Pool died very young. So the only album they have with him is this Sinner album. And Mm. he's sort of well regarded as like one of the better new metal singers. Like technically, if you listen to the whole album, I know you maybe don't get a full sense of it from like, what? Nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But like 
he is actually like a pretty interesting and good singer. And essentially everything Drowning Pool has done afterwards has sucked shit. And mm-hmm. so so there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, if Dave Williams had lived, Drowning Pool would be talked about like Corn and Limp Biscuit and Slipknot and whatever. But because he died, they were never the same. But I think of that for Drowning Pool, like politically, like I'm like, when Dave Williams was in the band, they were socialists, man. But then when he died, they were like, we love the military, Guantanamo Bay, torture of all, which is completely irrational. But that is the idea I have in my mind of Drowning Pool. Like, yeah, okay, Dan, you read that quote, but like Dave Williams had died. So it doesn't even really count because... <laughs> yeah. They were socialists before <laughs> Drowning Pool, I do have to say, like one of like two or three albums that I hated when I was a kid that when we listened to it on here, I loved it. It was great. It's like one of the best albums of the genre. Um, and uh, but it is very much like it's I'm sure it's everything you would hate. Dan. There's a lot of stuff in there that's like there's a song called uh what's that song john where he's like i don't care about anyone else but me <laughs> yeah i can't remember the i don't remember the names that's of the song tear away <laughs> there we go dan's tear on away. that yeah. fucking song cracks me like the message of the song is that he doesn't care about anybody but himself i love it yeah now dan before we let you go uh you know you you have actually sort of unwillingly unwittingly become a part of the new metal discourse because you created some rupee core inspired new metal zine yes. poetry can you tell us a little bit about that yes uh i had this inside joke with uh, two friends of mine who i think we are truly the only three people who, in the world who have seen this and i would like to put it out there because I want to get this out. I don't, I, I always thought Ruby Carr, whenever I see it, very hacky, right? Almost as like super parodyable. She has a special on Amazon. I think it's multi episodes. I cannot recommend it enough. It is the cringiest <laughs> fucking thing you will ever see in your life. It is insane because she, she's, on this platform that's so elegant, she has like a, a fucking like a flowing dress on. The, it looks like she's like, you know, receiving like a like an Oscar or like a fucking Pulitzer Prize, whatever. And like, it's so elegant. And she does these like poems that are very like and and he reached for the honey that would never come. And then immediately she switches to like. Y'all ever have a guy ghost you? Oh my God. You know, it's like it, the tonal shifts are crazy. And I truly, I'm not joking when I say that I think Amazon tried to bury it because I, you never yeah, see I've, anything I've never about heard it. Of it. I've There's never like, heard of it. you know, like on, on Amazon, it'll say like, oh, this is like 10,000 reviews, four stars or whatever. Yeah. It has like 30. It, it, I really think that they must have invested the money, so they had to put it on the site, but they tried to kill it. So anyways, I was like really in, I was really like thinking about that one day. And for some reason, I started just quoting a, a new metal song in that cadence, that stupid, like broken line cadence. Yeah. And then I was just like, I'm going to make a zine. And then like three, three hours later, I made this stupid fucking zine <laughs> where I like put all the new metal lyrics I could think of into that format. And um, 
it, it was a really weird learning experience because I again, like I said at the top of this, a lot of new metal just blends together for me. But putting this together like lyrically, it really separated out like the auteurs of new metal <laughs> from yes. like from that like because there are some really like dumb bottom feeders in, in new metal, but like there were actually some people who were like, actually, if if you separated it the way Nook the way Rupi Carr does. It's actually kind of poetic. Like, this is actually kind of a good lyric. So I kind of learned a lot about um, <laughs> lyrics. But then I, like, I made it like this. And, like, this is the drowning – this is the yeah, the drowning pool one. Like, when you space it out like this, anything looks like poetry. Just like, yeah, one, for sure. nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Two, <laughs> nothing wrong with me. Three. <laughs> you just ratchet one, up the tension slowly. Yeah, just let the – bodies hit the floor you know like it's so, i don't know i really feel like i i learned about the 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 nuance between the the new metal lyricists We're yeah proud of you. Uh, i yeah, just googled of them. if you google rupee core uh i i went through the first five pages of google results and there was no like link or mention of the did amazon you, did you special. search like amazon special no no like i was trying to okay. see like if you Where just searched up? her because normally like if you search a stand-up comedian that has a netflix special that's going to be one of the first things that pops it, up. Dude, there I, is I, no link to this Rupi Core special. I know we're deviating from like the topic of new metal, but like I'm obsessed with it because I really think that like she got the opportunity first, and then she was like, "Oh shit, what am I going to fill the time with?" Yes. So she just started googling like poetry readings and comedy stand-up specials and was just like took took like a bunch of like fucking like a little from everything and it isn't like the tonal shifts are so insane uh one of the cringiest things i've ever fucking seen in my I'm life i can't recommend to, it enough i'm gonna have to watch it dan where can people find your zine where can people find your work uh plug yourself here uh everything is at my website dan ozzi.com there's like the store link if you want to buy one it's super cheap it's ten dollars i'm not trying to hawk this but like no, no it's, it's, it's such uh, a I'm funny sure gift for the new it. metal fan in your yeah. life uh, <laughs> hey, christmas is coming out. up you know tell out is fucking great and so uh, sell out cool. is great yeah, yeah. Love took it. me like three years to write and here i am like i'm like hawking this zine that took me three hours <laughs> i'm like but this is so good <laughs> sellout is amazing uh brian and i both loved it if you oh, haven't thanks. read sellout it's uh you know a, a chronicle of the sort of pop punk emo uh major label feeding frenzy era of of those bands and yeah the green day chapter alone is worth uh, reading the whole book I'll, for i'll say also too for the for the new metal fans the the one part where new metal does cross it over in that book is the at the drive-in chapter because yes, they both sure. uh, at the drive-in and limp biscuit both played big day out in australia the year that 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 teenage girl was killed and I think that like Limp Biscuit got a lot of shit for that, but I am actually surprisingly on the side of Limp Biscuit. It's not their fucking fault. Like it's not their they they're the artists, you know. Yeah. It's not up to them to control the crowd. That's the festival's fault, and they just really got thrown under the bus for that unfairly. You know, it's Why? so tragic that 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 pro, yeah, poor girl died. Ninety nine, they eat it too. They right? blame on like them too, and it ha- the riot happened the day after. Yeah, they were on at Woodstock ninety nine. And and supposedly, you know, I did like a lot of research on that big day out thing. Uh, and, you know, from what I understand, like a- afterwards, they their agent was like, we told them in advance, like, you have to get a tea barricade. 
you know, like up the middle to like separate it so that you can at least manage it. And they kept saying like, no, 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 we don't need it. We're, we got this. We're pros, you know, and they, they fucking didn't. And yeah, it was tragic. So I will, I will, I will end my, my reign on this podcast by defending Limp Biscuit at Big Day Out. That is a great way to end our life. That's Fred Durst innocent, free Fred Durst. Uh, head over to danozzi.com. You can follow Dan on Twitter and Instagram, also at danozzi. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. Uh, so great to have you on the show. Yes, thank you so much. So there you have it. Uh, kind of a fun, a fun, friendly time with four of our great friends. Thanks to Raina and Dan and Andy and Ed for talking to us about their favorite new metal songs. And what better way to finish off our 50th episode than by talking about our own favorite new metal songs. And Brian, we'll start with you. I mean, you have obviously uh, brought this song up multiple times on this show as being your favorite. You're not deviating from the norm here, but uh, for maybe the uneducated listener, uh, what is your favorite new metal song? The final song on Follow the Leader my gift to you is well, my there you... favorite new metal song not on my favorite album or anything you but know. your favorite new metal song yes fucking yes it's the best it's the best that well, the genre had there's not a great deal of information about my gift to you it was never released as a single but it has been a long time since we did the follow the leader episode so i can once again tell you it came out on august 18th 1998 on Immortal and Epic Records is produced by Steve Thompson and Toby Wright and the band Korn and of course Follow the Leader, one of the touchstone new metal albums. It was named one of the 50 best new metal albums of all time by Louder Sound at number five. Loudwire has it at number one as the uh, the sorry the number one best hard rock album of 1998. Loudwire also has it at number nine on their 50 greatest new metal albums of all time list. Revolver had it on their 20 best albums from 1998 list. Rolling Stone had it at number 40 on the 100 best albums of 1998 list. The album itself, very, uh, you know, very, very influential, very high selling. It's gone five times platinum in America, three times platinum in Canada and Australia, one time platinum in New Zealand. It's gold in the UK, the Netherlands, France and Brazil. It peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 and ended the year 98 at number 77 and the year 99 at number 32, probably due to the strength of freak on a leash. So yeah, Brian, I mean, I think the obvious place to start here with my gift to you is uh, just why that is your favorite new metal song, because, you know, I think a lot of people would expect a favorite new metal song list to include corn. Um, but, uh, you know, I think people would be thinking got the life or freak on a leash or, uh, you know, even some of the issues songs. Uh, I know a lot of people love, uh, you know, here to stay or thoughtless from untouchables issues. Make me bad falling away from me. Why my gift to you, the closing track on follow the leader. Uh, I always like the closing tracks on the corn albums. Like I like the I like kill you quite a bit. Um, maybe would have come in like maybe number two or three. It would come in the top ten. Uh, and Daddy, uh, you know, I first heard I was like, "What the fuck is this?" But then as time went on, like that became one of my favorite songs on the album. There's a lot of like really cool fucking bass stuff in it and stuff. But this was like album number three, and it didn't feel like they would have something to do here, right? Like at the time. 
you you would forget that like the last song on a corn album had a gravitas to it at the time like when we would listen to it it's like what is the last song gonna be it's a little longer but this last song isn't about jonathan davis's trauma he had to make something up which i think is cool um i don't think what he made up is cool but uh i like the 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 song meaning is the lone problem i think in in the song being about him i don't know killing somebody during sex it's a very (laughs) fucking strange thing to write about but chino did the same thing though Digital bath is about basically killing someone during sex, you know, but it's like corn didn't do sex really, which I think the side from the single all day. I dream about sex. That's true. Okay. Okay. But this song has like <laughs> sort of almost like this song is the only corn song with the, like all day. I dream about sex is like goofing. They're goofing. Well, and it's song. mostly about jacking off. It's not really yeah. about sex. And it, it's a funny song. They're being funny about it. This song, uh, it's not true or anything, but this may be the closest corn got to sexy, I think, in a way. Like that thing that Deftones are the only new metal band that know how to do. Like this was corn giving it a shot. You know what I mean? And right. the guitar on this song is the ideal metal guitar for me that the the riffs in this song there is the part where it like kind of weirdly goes it's like i mean that is like that is my favorite that's probably my favorite guitar riff i just love it i it's so fucking heavy and sludgy and like uh i really like that kind of thing i like a slower tempo i like the drums to be i don't know like you know sometimes you do something like that and the drums like fill everything up they they like they try to fill all the space but in that song that's not what it does the drums are more low-key in that part of the song and uh also just in a comedic way, not the, I really thought it was funny that <laughs> he tries to squeeze out a few tears at the end of the song. That's about something that he made up. <laughs> well, it was, it become, it had become, you know, after daddy and kill you, it sort of became the tradition that uh, <laughs> he cries at the end of the album. So he felt like he had to, he owed it to the fans. But he doesn't quite get it done. No, he does. It's know? not. It's not nearly the same as <laughs> no, like racking and, sobs. But it just felt like, well, like I had, like, and you had heard from him in the past. Say, I, I, I don't know if I could ever find the quote or anything, but that he did almost feel pressure to kind of do that at the end of albums, and I think this song kind of got him out of it. And uh, you yeah, because then people are like, actually, like you don't have to do it dude yeah like you could just not do it and then he's like oh okay yeah and you know it, i just love the song i just everything about it is good he sings in the exact way that i like and then there's a huge screamy part in it which is what i also like and you know maybe i'm also remembering because live you were never going to hear daddy live ever 
That was the big rumor at Woodstock. Yeah, didn't they? They ended up doing it eventually, right? Like they they played it a couple times. I think they've done it a couple times now. But yeah, yeah. but now that he's older, that's you know what I mean. It might be a little bit easier to do because they didn't uh, because they didn't do it any time when I was listening to it. Here we go. Let me. I'm going to look it up. Brooklyn Bowl, Las Vegas. That's the only time they played it. Well, they did it in Las Vegas at Hellfest. No, they've done it a few times. Yeah, they got a few. Yeah, I'm looking it they up. They did right it now. on that corn twenty, the uh, thing they uh, did. They played the it live thirty five times. Okay, well, but but, but at, for context, the song they've played live the most is. Well, do you want to guess? Oh, it had to be blind. It is blind. Do you yeah. want to guess how many times they've played blind live? <laughs> I would not even be able to venture again. You said thirty five times. I thirty five uh, for Daddy. I'd have to say. 2000 <laughs> yeah you're at not far off they've played blind live 1713 times yeah i mean freak on a leash is second at 1502 falling away from me is third at 1436 got the life is fourth at 1363 shoots and ladders is fifth at 1345 and then the only other ones above a thousand are here to stay and twist yeah and well, then daddy and, and they've I'll... done 35 times but let's see like uh yeah they they basically did it on the 20th or 30th anniversary tour in 2015 it looked like they were basically playing it every night uh but then that's it yeah so they 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 played it once in 1993 once in 1995 at coney island high school which is and you had heard that they did those too i i think that's something that i would say like you heard that they had done it twice when when and I then, was growing up. Yeah, and then yeah, and then they started at Brooklyn Bowl, and it looks like they played it at basically every show on that 2015 like 30th anniversary tour. Okay, well, but it seems so out. But of then the they realm. haven't played it since. The last yeah. time they played it live was October 30th, 2015. So that song seems like kind of out of the realm of possibility. Kill You is a good song, but it isn't great. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of, and they played that. Kill You, it, they've played live 255 times. And it's something I, I like that song, but it's not, it doesn't reach like the heights. But then, like, uh, uh, this felt like something they could play at every show that I think, you know, when I listen to it, I just think about times that, you know, I was in a pit during that song and it was fucking crazy. I love those slow, grindy riffs. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's my favorite song. It's about something incredibly stupid, but that also adds to the charm of it, I think, with Corn uh, is that it's he's finally like, I don't have to, he's like, I, I don't have to sing about my trauma. I could give somebody else trauma. I can give someone else trauma, yeah. They, <laughs> and that this is something I can play live. And, you know, maybe he thought about it like, listen, I can play this live and I can kind of cry at the end of the yeah, song. Yeah, just kind and of. I can kind of cry. Yeah, people will get the daddy experience because I don't think it can be overstated in 1996, 97, 98 how much people wanted the the hear daddy live. I, I really, I, I think other people that were maybe around at that time would probably agree with me too, but that was a, that was a song that like, it was the only one, if you were there from the beginning, you got to hear 
that whole first album except for one fucking song. And I saw him like live like four times and heard that whole first album with the exception of one song. They replaced that with uh, in the middle of shoots and ladders. They would do Rob bass and DJ easy rock. It takes two. Um, So that was the other song they played. So like, this was like a a, kind of the way you haven't gotten to see corn, but you want to see them like the people that were there at all those early shows. They really fucking wanted to hear daddy. So this song almost scratched that itch. And I would honestly say it's this song's better than daddy for a live experience too. Yeah, I would say that's right. Yeah. They, they didn't play this song live too many times. Uh, they've played it live. Like I said, 70, uh, I didn't, I don't think I said this. They played the song live 77 times, but they, they stopped playing it in 2003. And then they only have played it three times since 2003 and it was only on three shows right one after the other in 2018. Uh, and then doesn't that's have, it. Um, I fucking didn't listen to it. I should have listened. This also has, uh, what's it called in it? Uh, bagpipes, doesn't it? Does yeah. This have starts with, it starts with bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's another reason I loved it because that's also one of the first times they integrated the bagpipes into the song. The bagpipes on Shoots and Ladders is just kind of this thing they do before the song starts. In this song, it's like... Well, no, the bagpipes are playing throughout Shoots and Ladders. Do the whole song? Not the whole song, but when it's doing the like... The bagpipes are playing. He can't do it anymore after he starts singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. They that's they got put it away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does so that. this is this is like a song where it's like integrated fully into like the metal part of the song. And and that's another thing is like seeing this guy play bagpipes. It sounds insane now because people have seen him a million times. But seeing this guy play bagpipes was so important. Oh, in, yeah. In those early days, it was so fucking neat to see him come out with the bagpipes yeah. with the kilt on. And that would be sick do the for whole sure. Thing. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, I'm surprised. Just, Sorry, go ahead. This this song and and thinking about this song, it always brings me back. Like I really like nothing else brings me back to how much I, like I love this band because it has so much tied into this song is just it. It is again like the last song on an album, but the first time the last song didn't have to be about this this thing where he had to cry. Um, and like it just. The riff is just crazy. The the riff in the song is just fucking crazy, man. Like it's just the, the all of the guitar in this song is fucking nuts, and it just makes me want to go crazy when I every time, every fucking time I hear it. I'm surprised. Two of my favorite songs from Issues they've only played once live. Uh, no way and Wake Up. Uh, they they did an album release show for issues at the Apollo Theater in '99, and they played the album cover to cover. Yeah. And that's the only time they've played those two songs. And those are two it's of my tough, favorite songs from man. issues. It's fucking crazy. It's so cool that they're playing that bands are doing albums cover to cover. Although it feels like that's kind of died down a bit. Uh, yes and no. Yeah, I haven't heard of anybody doing them, but like I'm going to see one of those tonight. What are you seeing? <laughs> I'm seeing Coheed and Cambria. What are they playing? They're playing their fourth album, No World for Tomorrow. I gotta look. Oh, that's not a good one. No, it's not. <laughs> no, if it was number three, I'd be losing my shit right now saying, Dan. I, know, I would be more excited for that as well. This is the uh this is the quote from Jonathan Davis about my gift to you. 
Uh, Davis says, Renee always wanted me to write her a love song, and that's why I called it My Gift to You. It's my gift to her. You know how I get sick. I always had a fantasy of fucking her and choking her to death. I fantasize about what it would look like, me and her body, and watching me do it. So it's like a really sick, fucked up song. I did it totally like, I love her so much, I want to take her out of this world. It's really strange. She used to leave notes on my pillow, like 25 ways she'd like to kill me. She's got this weird death fetish. We're kind of fucking freaky. She got it. She's all like, thank you. That's kind of fucked up. I was expecting a fucking I love you, baby kind of song. And I'm all like, no, you know me. I mean, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember reading that. I remember, honestly, I always tell you, I I would read everything on the way up to the album. And he was talking about it. Are you seeing good Apollo? I'm volume volume two. Ah, man, I thought you were going to get welcome home. You know, no, what I'm probably saying? not. Yeah. No, you're not. The one you're after getting that. a bunch of crap. Yeah, I'm kidding. It's not crap. It's pretty good. But John, yes, it's your turn to tell me what your jam is. Well, not Dan's I mean, turn to brag about his concert going experience. This is tough. This is honestly tough for me because, uh, you know, there's so many places we could go here. My first thought was doing be quiet and drive. Uh, just that's my favorite Deftone song. It's such a good song. I could listen to it every day. Two but I good think versions I, too. One yeah. of the rare songs has got two good versions. Totally, the acoustic version is very solid. Uh, the one obviously yeah, with, with the one with Adam Sandler obviously is the one I'm talking about. Yeah, but, played uh, it at a wedding, got yelled at for it. <laughs> but it's uh, it's such a good song, but. I think like I I feel like when you say your favorite new metal song, it's got to be a, a song that like distills new metal in a way that like I just think "Be Quiet and Drive" doesn't quite. And so my and I, we've talked about this song, both loving this song on the show before. But my favorite new metal song of all time is "Rearranged" by Limp Bizkit. Ah, fucking dude, you got my number. If I had to name five or two, this would be my other one. Like yeah. after. It's Jesus. so good, you know. I mean, it's just such a great it's such a great song. It has so many things that I like about Limp Biscuit. I think it's also just like it kind of proves the point that like Limp Biscuit were very capable. I mean, I know, you know, whether Fred is capable of anything other than being a good business guy is maybe neither here nor there, but my god, you know, the musicianship was so good. It's such an interesting song, like just the way it builds, the dynamics of the song are so great. Uh, but before we get fully into it, Rearranged was released as a single. It was the second single from Significant Other following up Nookie. It was released on October 12th, 1999. And Brian, you may not know this, but this is Limp Bizkit's only number one on the modern rock tracks chart. So Makes sense. Uh, Especially were, for the time. Totally. But it's, it's kind of one of the only new metal bands to actually hit number one. Uh, for that, for that matter, too, there were very few new metal songs that actually made it. Corn never had a number one on the modern rock tracks chart, for example. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this song came out October twelfth, nineteen ninety nine. Flip and Interscope Records. It was produced by Limp Bizkit. Uh, weirdly enough, Terry Date produced the album, but I guess Limp Bizkit produced this specific song. Uh, it uh, yeah, it uh, came out after the album was already out. The video portrays them in prison cells where they're being uh, taken and put on trial for Woodstock 99, and then they're found guilty and put into a metal container as onlookers watch while milk pours into the container to drown them, and then we're led to believe that maybe they're dead. 
Uh, this song peaked at number 88 on the Billboard Hot 100 and at number 8 on the Mainstream Rock Tracks chart. Uh, it also was uh, named one of the 10 new metal songs that doesn't suck by Consequence Magazine. And I just thought the uh, the write-up here is good. It's always good to get someone who's maybe not a huge new metal fan to talk about what's so good about this song, because I agree with a lot of it. This is written by Michael Rothman. It says, rearranged the band's only number one single on Billboard's modern rock charts, found them actually sounding somewhat mature and focused. Say what you will about number one Yankee fan Fred Durst, but the rest of the band actually had the skills to paint some intriguing atmospheres and rearranged stands tall above their tryptophobia-inducing catalog. Durst's histrionics sound sleek and patient as opposed to overwhelming and unruly thanks to John Otto's squeaky clean percussion, Wes Borland's hypnotic noodling, Sam Rivers' loungy bass line, and DJ Lethal's tunnel sounds. It's hardly perfect. That you'll get it send off is fucking stupid as hell, but it's one of the rare moments in new metal where the tranquility feels earned. And uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. I, I mean, I don't agree about the end part. I think the end part's kind of sick, actually. That's but funny. Uh, it's funny for sure. It's funny that Limp Biscuit wrote this, like, you know, wrote this kind of like they're maybe one of their only, uh, you know, kind of softer songs for lack of a better word and then you get the think about it you'll get it with like a, a, then a minute of scratching at the end but, yeah but it kind of fits like it just sort of fits with all the stupid shit that limp biscuit was doing at the time um but yeah i just this song just showed so much of what new metal bands were capable of i'm so glad it is their song that went to number one on the modern rock tracks chart i just remember hearing it for the first time and and i think What's cool about this song, too, is like, you know, Brian, in 1999, like writing a softer song was kind of death, you know, not that this is like a super soft song. Like, obviously, it's got the ending part that's very, you know, loud and it builds up to a crescendo. But, you know, doing this sort of like soft kind of breakup type song uh, is is really tough, you know, and and. I think if the song wasn't so good, people would have been very hard on Limp Biscuit. But the song was so good that everybody was just like, no, this is sick. And we love this. Keep doing more of this. Yeah, it was good. I love this song. I think it's like one of it's probably their best song. Yeah, I sure. think it's their best song. Yeah. And uh, I like softer songs. And I always did then, too. You know what I mean? Like when I was I. I liked it when any band would go into it, but you're right. A lot of times bands were just nervous to, to kind of do that, to kind of do a softer song. Corn never did one. Did they? I'm not mistaken. I mean, corn just wouldn't be great for it. I mean, I guess you would call like maybe kill you kind of in that vein. It's not softer, but. It does have that kind of like. Da, 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 it's got that funny da, da, end where he's like, "How can I?" Yeah. <laughs> do something over. Oh God, that song's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the video for this was also like really so cool. They looked so cool, and it was done. It was it, it was clearly like I I I remember it made people talk like people were like, have you seen the, the, the rearranged video? Like having conversation. And this is, this would be for me 
close to the end for these guys, my ride with these guys, because I didn't like chocolate starfish. Um, so, like, I, I sort of jumped off. But this was, like, my last hurrah. The uh, significant other with this, and uh, I think I liked Nook. I liked all the songs on significant other but then after that i was like kind of done with it i had i i wonder where i would have been if they would have followed this thread like one more time maybe (laughs) they never really did it again you know yeah i mean chocolate starfish i guess like boiler is sort of the version of rearrange that's on chocolate starfish but even then that starts very heavy it's got that like but then you it gets even, a little quieter in the choruses, and it, it does have that kind of like breakup song feel to it as well. But yeah, no, you're right. Like they never really fully tried this sort of style again. And it's kind of too bad because I think, especially with how good John Otto is at drumming and Sam Rivers is at bass, like I think with that rhythm section being so locked in and so dynamic, I think they probably would have had opportunities to do more songs like this. And I'm sort of surprised they never took them. Well, it does feel like, like you can still hear the bass in this song. I always go back to the bass in this song because the guitar um, kind of sneaks up on you a little yeah. bit. Like as you're listening, you're, it's just kind of making like ambient noises. And then all of a sudden, which is really cool, like it's making these ambient noises. And then all of a sudden it's just, whoa, we're, we're like kind of heavy. Now, oh, that part is so sick. Level and songs with don't, me, that is like, you kept fucking with me. That's hard so to good. do. That's like yeah. really like you don't hear a lot of song where like, hey, you know, I'm listening to the song and it's um, it's kind of a slow song. It's kind of, you know, we're 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 calming down a little bit and then you're listening to it. And all of a sudden it's like I'm headbanging now out of nowhere. That's hard to do. And they pulled it off. Fred sings exactly the right way for the yes. build. It feels like as they build this, Fred's kind of he is upping the intensity, but you don't notice that he's upping the intensity until you've gotten to the intense part of the song, which is really fucking cool. And and like uh, this is a song that like, you know, even you could talking about daddy, like you listen to that song. It's and it's one of those like it gradually gets so heavy that you don't realize it's getting heavy until it's like, dong, 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 you know what I mean? Like this is this and that. And, you know, I can't think of too many other songs where, where bands were able to pull that off, but any band that can pull that off, man, that is just something I would do on everything. <laughs> well, it's just also like, it's so strange when you think of like Limp Bizkit sort of like singles trajectory as well, right? Like on the first album, you've got Counterfeit, Pollution, both super heavy songs. Then you got Faith, which is just like kind of a gimmicky cover, but also super heavy. Then the first single from Significant Other is Nookie, which is also kind of silly and this big, loud song that's like you know the chorus is stupid and it's just like a funny almost like a funny kind of song and then you go from all of those to this kind of like i'm i'm kind of surprised rearranged was the second single because then the singles after that are in together now was the third single which is just like a straight up rap song and then the fourth single was break stuff uh which you know is obviously very heavy and and aggressive so like if you look their first kind of like seven singles, like rearrange is a total outlier. It's like, 
a complete sort of like dynamo in this crowd of like harder, sillier songs. Like you just, I just didn't think Limp Bizkit had it in them. I didn't think that the label would see rearranged as a single. Like it's kind of cool that they saw it as a single and that it did make it to number one. Cause I feel like it's not immediately obvious that it's a single type song. It's just song yeah, for the ladies. It's so though. good. It is kind of a song for the song ladies. for the ladies. You gotta have some songs for the ladies. That's just the way it is, and that's what this song is. is a... And I guess we're a couple ladies because it's my favorite new metal song well, of all time, I don't and think, your second I, favorite. I I actually don't. I I think that like when I say song for the ladies, it's like a lot of times they would bands would write a slower song. It as like I think women will like this, and I think that is maybe also the explanation why this is the first single, you know what I mean, <laughs> or second single, second right? Second single, yeah. Nookie, and it's like uh, if again, I don't know this to be true, and Faith came before this, but Limp Bizkit was like not a dude's band. No, like, for sure not. It it was uh, they were almost like the the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, definitely. They were actively way, but, trying to court women, and people thought Fred was hot. Yeah, and I think that this song uh, helped with that quite a bit because I just think that like they write these songs to appeal to different demographics, or, or they release the. I don't think they wrote this song to appeal to women. I'm saying that if you can see the meeting at the record label, where it's like, okay, what are we gonna do? For singles and this song being you know one of the main ones that you know what i mean like this song being one that they're like well this would be good for the female demographic and it was i'm sure it fucking was i know my wife loved oh, yeah. the song and oh, i sure. loved it i i i i was such a fucking like new metal like snob guy that like i actually uh I, I was such a snob about new metal that I hated it when a song. I hated the singles. I just I don't need to hear these singles. They're stupid, you know. I, I would even have a song I love. I remember the first time I heard uh, "Fuck," was it "Freak on a Leash" or one of those songs. The first time Got I the heard, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I heard "Got the Life" and being like, this song this song rules because it was the first thing i got to hear right yeah and course. then i i heard uh then i got the album i heard freak on a leash and they released freak on a leash and i was like the song fucking sucks i don't care how much everybody likes it oh I yeah don't. that was definitely a thing to like say that your favorite song was like a deep cut on the album that was a big thing to do in the like late 90s early aughts especially because like a lot of people didn't buy the albums, right? They just listened to the radio or they listened to MTV or much music. And it was just like, okay, whatever's on there, you know? Oh yeah. I like Limp Bizkit. Oh yeah. You do like name three songs that aren't nookie, you know, or yeah. whatever. Like it, that was definitely a big thing in that time period. And now I feel like we're, we're in our poptimist era where it's okay to be like, no, the lead single is actually the best song on the record. That's funny. Like, uh, uh, it's funny that you bring that up because we were just on on guys talking about rockabilly and about uh, we were talking about something about like if you went to a festival of some sort of a of a niche music type of thing. Right. And you wore a shirt like of the band. Like, so if you went to the Ozfest and you wore a Limp Biscuit shirt, it would not be 
weird for somebody to say name three Limp Biscuit songs. Totally, it, yeah. It would have it, it it didn't happen often, and I don't think it's ever been something that happens all the time. But we were kind of talking about it and how like being a poser was such a fucking like thing, and I think some uh, I, Brace or, or Chris was like, well, it's not it's not like that anymore, and I was like, my daughter wouldn't wear a band shirt unless she knew like all the songs because she was afraid some fucking Gen X or some millennials going to come up to her and be like, Oh yeah, what are three Nirvana songs? And she wouldn't know them. So she would like get the shirt. She got a velvet underground shirt because she had listened to basically all of velvet underground's music. She got a pixie shirt after she had listened to all right. of the pixie. Yeah. But that's because your daughter is cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot but of kids like, don't do that now because like, the Kardashians have made it cool to wear like uh, band branded vintage looking shirts. Then, yeah. yeah. Well, it just feels like uh, uh, that people think that went away. I guess. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that that was just something I don't from think, back then, and it's yeah. like it never goes away. It no, always yeah, yeah. will be that. People are always going to take the chance to be a snob. I just think that, like, mo- I'm thinking more so of just the like people who are actually snobs can also say like, no, my favorite song by this band is the most popular song by this band. And that's like, okay to say it didn't used to be okay to say that. Like definitely Mm -hmm. in 1999, you would never say your favorite corn song was freak on a leash. Never. No. Well, and I come off like a real chode saying my favorite song is an album cut that they've played (laughs) live 15 times or whatever. So, (laughs) yeah, but whatever, that's okay. You're allowed. You're you have a new metal podcast, so you're allowed to do whatever you want. And it new metal to me, uh, one of the things that it really succeeded at for me and might be different for your life and, and the lives of the people that are listening to this show, uh, but was the first time in my life where I put emphasis on albums and didn't, for sure. didn't think it was good unless I liked the whole album. And yeah. like, uh, so of course. It was an album cut that got me partly because like, you know, I think we talked about this on a very first episode when we talked or second, whenever we talked about corn, the, the first album where I was like, I got the album and I really loved songs number one through six or seven at the beginning, uh, shoots and ladders from blind to shoots and ladders. And, uh, now if I was going to put the album on, I would start at eight and just play the rest of the album because what ends up happening is you hear the first run of songs yeah, way a more fucking gajillion times and then you're just sick of them and that's why i think like um you know i could have picked digital bath was another song that was on for sure that's list. i'm just uh, a yeah. horny new metal guy i just only aren't we all horny new metal songs. we're all new metal sex guys in a yes. way uh if you want to support these two new metal sex guys you can head on over to patreon.com slash the pod cast that's cast with a k like the band corn four dollars a month gets you access to three bonus episodes every single month uh, last month we had on Luke Owen from Wrestle Talk, very fun uh, episode. We went way deep, we almost two hours on the Daredevil 2003 original soundtrack. That was a blast. Make sure to check it out. And also at the seven dollar tier, uh, you can get every bonus episode in video format, and you can vote on the exclusive poll. And yes, this month is the first time that uh, only our seven dollar donors will be able to vote in the poll. 
uh, this month. So uh, if you're not on our Patreon and you're not a $7 donor, you will not have a say in what album we cover uh, in November. So keep that in mind. The songs, the albums might vary a little more now too. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I've definitely picked them with, uh, with pull with, you know, serious fans of the POD cast in mind. Uh, But yeah, anyway, that's all over there. You also get merch discounts, access to our discord. Uh, You get a monthly listening list. There's a ton of fun stuff and our entire back catalog, which is well over a hundred episodes at this point. So check it out. Patreon.com slash the POD cast. Okay. Brian, uh, last month's challenge, we we covered uh, Limp Bizkit's $3 bill, y'all. The challenge was to write a thank you rap, like Fred Durst in the style oh, of God. Indigo Flow. Um, yes, your reaction does uh, mirror the results. I crushed you in that poll. Yeah. I was almost 70 to 30. So now we are sitting at uh, 23 wins for me, 24 wins for you, and two ties. No, uh, ch- Sorry, go ahead. I'd like to be a huge penis here real quick and say, I did not know about that challenge until we started the show or like minutes before we started the show. I mean, I had a full rap, so. Right. Yeah. You're a better rapper than me. We will (laughs) say that. Well, I I also came up with the challenge a week before and I just didn't tell you. And then I can (laughs) no, I'm joking. Uh, But uh, yeah, no challenge this month, but the challenges will return uh, with episode 51. However, as I said, there is a poll this month. Normally the only place you'd be able to vote on the poll is on our twitter you can give us a follow there at the pod underscore cast cast with a k uh but as i said this month one of the perks at the seven dollar a month tier is once a year one of the polls will be exclusively done on patreon for our seven dollar donors and this is that poll for the year 2023 uh so brian what are the two albums that you are putting in this month holy shit i thought oh oh no r nor um i'll tell you what i'll do since maybe we can get something uh, through saliva every six seconds. We talked about that on the Daredevil episode. The patrons heard. Patrons, yeah. The patrons heard that. So yep. every six seconds, and then I'll go with Spine Shank, Strictly Diesel. Those are my two. Okay, nice. Two albums yeah. I've been wanting to do. And uh, maybe people want to hear us talk about. Well, I'm definitely, I, I figured the same kind of similar thing to you. I, I thought our discerning patrons uh, may want a chance to vote on some albums that really have gotten battered uh, in the polls, uh, but that I think you and I have both sort both sort of expressed interest in listening to. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm nominating Chevelle's Wonder What's Next and Trust Company's The Lonely Position of Neutral. Uh, so I did those a are fucking cover of uh, in that band I was in. <laughs> I did a so, cover of one of those fucking uh, trust company songs. Really, downfall. Yep. What a song. So fucking embarrassing, man. Wow. Every time I think about trust company, I get so embarrassed of me standing in front of a fucking like fifteen people. How have you never told this story? We've nominated trust company like five times. How is this the first time this is coming up? Uh, John, I uh, don't like people knowing that I was in a band. I also brought it up on guys once. Well, I know, like, I know that you were I in a doing... band. You sang and you were trying to learn bass, right? No, I wasn't. Well, I mean, I was saying I wanted to learn to play an okay. instrument, but I was but really just sang. singing. But yeah, Downfall yeah. was the song they picked. Uh, I never had listened to the song at all, so I had to hear it. And then once I learned it, and like all I can think about now on the other side of it was that I was always running out of breath by the end of the song. 
Because I was smoking, too. I was smoking cigarettes and popping pills at the time. It was just a lot going on with me at that time of my Fair. life. Fair. I mean, that's the thing. I, as someone who's never done drugs or drank, I do forget the uh, profound effect that can have on on one's memory. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, those <laughs> as both Dan and Brian nod vigorously in the fucking yeah. <laughs> I remember barfing in the fucking uh, uh, bushes and having to run out of band practice and barfing in the bushes. And believe me, band practice is such a such a I mean, it was really just guys standing in a basement yeah ah we've all been there uh but yes so if you want a chance to vote in that poll you need to be a patron at the seven dollar level but it's okay if you don't want to be a patron at the seven dollar level four dollars gets you all of our bonus content and also uh, for bonus episodes you can suggest what songs and what albums we listen to uh all of that information over on patreon.com slash the pod cast you can follow us on twitter at the pod underscore cast And we will see you back here with a regular episode, a regular album review. Thank you so much for listening to 50 episodes of this bullshit. We can't wait to make another 50. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye. Bye-bye, boys.